So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Yo, the Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Alright, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzlecast, if you are joining me tonight, you have picked an excellent night to join the Bizzlecast because tonight I have someone that I respect and like on so many levels and you will see that that is the case as the conversation goes on. Her name is Netta Sarmast and I met her in the music industry a long time ago, but we connected, me and Eric Herman, as you guys know, started Modiba with, connected with her and Yaz and other musicians and artists in this scene very early on. It's great to reconnect with her. We have maintained touch over the years. I really want to get this podcast going. She's a filmmaker. She's a documentarian. She works with musicians. She manages. She promotes. She's an artist herself. And without further ado, just one of the coolest people on the planet. And I'm really happy you're on the Bizzlecast. Netta, welcome! Oh my God, we're doing this finally. Yes. Oh. <laughs> finally, Jesse. Thank you. Thank you. I feel so important. Thank you so much. You know what? Sometimes, sometimes it is good to wait. You know what I mean? Just everything. I always say, I always say everything happens in God's timing, mm, not in talking. Netta's timing. Mm-hmm. So, so it's meant and, to be, that's when it happens. So Netta, you're a filmmaker. Yes. You are a music manager. <laughs> You are a tastemaker. You love music. You love movies. So instantly we are friends, especially because we love movies and music from around the world, (laughs) which we are going to get into. It's intimidating to figure out the exact angle to get into it with. So I will just briefly say, and then I want to ask a little bit about you. Wait, wait, wait. I want to be be an influencer too, because that's the new cool thing to be. Oh, you're totally Can I be that one too? Oh, yeah. I said said tastemaker, which is like the the hype term. Is that even even like the cooler version? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. You need to put that on your resume. Oh, she's a tastemaker. Oh, okay. <laughs> she's making taste. It doesn't even make sense. You know what I mean? I, don't but, know, I, thought, yeah. I thought it was like I thought it was like something like you know, creating a new flavor for coffee or something. So, so I want I want the people to hear a little bit about where you're from and where you're at. But I will say that we met you in New York. 
when mm-hmm. uh, Eric and I were getting Madib off the ground in 2005, 2006, 2007, we were right out of college, a couple of white boys who felt really out of place in our own society and so explored all over the world, musically, culturally, and people, and just, you know, j- just threw ourselves into the New York music and, and art scene. And we stumbled across you, and we stumbled across Yaz, and it was an amazing thing. A couple of cool white boys, a couple of really cool white boys. (laughs) Who knew, years later, we're still talking to each other and keeping connected. It was meant to be. Seriously. So, when I ran across you, and well, guys, we're going to sort of uh, work outwards towards the larger story, because I don't just want to, like, list accomplishments and stuff, because while they are prolific, it would be more interesting to hear the story about how we met and where things have gone since then. So, we met in like 2005 2006 2007 around that time mm-hmm. i have to say i remember so much about meeting you and yaz but the specific instance of who introduced us i honestly do not remember jesse you know what's so funny i was gonna ask you <laughs> <laughs> i swear i'm like wait who was the initial person that introduced us to each other i remember the friendship just kind of took off from it you know from there but was it was it was it laurie was it laurie meetoff from, from might have been agents? it could have been paul from red hot as well maybe oh um, paul probably you think it was that project pro- yeah paul heck paul it was heck. That project with um with red hot and Rumi. Right, because he was doing so much with Afrobeat, and we were doing so much with Afrobeat, but he was also like busting his ass, I think, at the time to get people like your people into the country to perform. Um, And we were both trying to perform at Joe's Pub as well. So it was some confluence of all of these things. It was an amazing time that, you know, that we felt like this was even an industry that we can break into. So we will get there, Netta. So very briefly, share with the Bizzlecast listeners who you are. Guys, Netta is just like the coolest, amazingest, beautiful, coolest just person you'll ever meet on the planet. So there you go. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you so much. But give them something actually substantive as opposed to me just, just blathering. Well, I was, I was, what our interest points and conversations obviously started all in music, but, um, basically I was born in Iran. I was born in Tehran and, um, I moved to the States at a very young age. I don't know, like seven, eight years old, six, seven, eight years old. And, um, it was supposed to be a short term stay. And then the revolution started and it turned into longer and life just kind of, you know, took so many, uh, turns and, um, America has been my home and I'm an American Iranian. So I, you know, that's, it's been my identity. I, to be honest actually when you and i when we met Hmm. it was in 2005 that i went back to iran having not been there for so many years i remember um i hadn't gone i hadn't visited in a long time Mm -hmm. and what had happened was that after 9-11 which is strange jesse that you and i are having this conversation on (sighs) 9-11 i'm so sick of hearing about 9-11 that's right for me for me it's 9-11 for me istanbul because i'm in istanbul right now i'm in turkey right now for me right now yes turkey for you for you it'll be in tomorrow morning your time i guess will be um, 9-11 but it's interesting as a result of that i started Mm -hmm. to see so much uh fear and anger and hatred obviously and uh, me being a new yorker i lived Mm -hmm. through that whole um 
you know, disaster, that mm-hmm. catastrophe. And mm-hmm. and I was there. I was part of it mm-hmm. uh, early in the morning. And, you so, know, I went down there in person. So after that, mm-hmm. it, obviously things changed. The world changed. Everything happened. Everything changed in, in America. And it was in 2005, and it was after then the Iran-Iraq, uh, not the Iran, um, the Iraq war with the U.S., the invasion. And um, I started to see a lot more fear and anger. And having worked in entertainment most of my life, mm-hmm. my background was in basically I've worked in music management um, for many, many years. And I've done some marketing, some PR and promotions and had my own consulting uh, company, consulting um, entertainment agencies or people that wanted to work with uh, within the entertainment industry. And, uh, you know, I'd worked with bands like Bon Jovi for many years and um, the Scorpions and Skid Row and and um, also I was going to bring up the Bon Jovi stories, but you just threw it out. Bon Jovi. Yeah. I mean, so I was part of their management team. I was part of their management team with McGee Entertainment at the time. And and I was also um, before that working at a booking agency, which was my first intro to the Mm. music world. Hmm. And it was actually quite accidental. I didn't know anything about the music business. I didn't know that people made money. Let's let's focus on this because that's your entry point. So how like coming where you came from, First of all, I've met a a handful of immigrants from all over the world who moved around the age that you described and uh, speak better English than 99% of this country. And (laughs) I think we had to we had to learn it. No, it just goes to show you. You know, Mila Kunis moved from the Ukraine when she was 10 years old. Didn't speak English. Now a giant movie star. You guys have to fight for every inch that yeah the, you know what i mean but the first thing the first thing i knew when yes. i came to america mm. I was i was such a young kid and i remember my dad taking me to you know like this elementary school and i remember my dad sitting down and i was like you're not going to leave me alone you're not we're just he was no 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 we're just going to go visit and talk mm-hmm. to these nice people and and before i knew it they were talking with each other my dad spoke english and and then all of a sudden it's like okay honey i'll come back and pick you up in a few hours i'm like no you don't you're not leaving me alone with these people. I don't speak their language. I don't know who they are. <laughs> He's like, you'll be just fine. So this poor woman, the teacher, didn't know. It was in Colorado at the time. She didn't know uh, what to do with me. So she kind of like put me on the side of the table. And just remember, she gave me a sketch pad. And she's like basically telling me, yeah, in Denver, Colorado, <gasps> for the first few months. That's just for like six months, I think, uh-huh. before we moved to uh, New York. Uh-huh. And this woman just gave me like some coloring pencils and a paper. Uh-huh. And she said some things to the students, kind of like, I guess she's a new one. And I didn't speak a single word of English. The, oh, actually, three words. I knew yes, no, thank you, and please, four words. So she would ask me questions, and I would just randomly pick at one of these four words. You know, she could ask me anything like, you know, what's your name? And mm-hmm. I'm like, thank you. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, what's it? just these four words. Yes, no, please, and so, thank you. So I was miserable. I was waiting for my dad to come back in school. And so uh, that was my entrance to to the country and so to the I culture. Just, and I, I want to continue on the story, but I, I feel like, you know, if some of the Mizzlecast listeners haven't listened to a ton of my podcast, I should just <laughs> make it known to you guys that I am an, uh, I was going to say I'm an Iranophile, but I, yeah. 
I, I, I <laughs> studied Islamic studies, guys. I love the Middle East, North Africa, musically, culturally, the people. I'm extremely uh, positive, politically, socially, musically, culturally. I think you guys know that if you've been listening to me. I don't do actually a ton of music podcasts, though, Nana, which is part of why this is great, even though I do talk about politics. But mm-hmm. I should say, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, I'm very... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm very um, uh, exploratory immediately, even before I got to New York, towards this sort of thing. And spoiler alert, guys, I'm Jewish. Yes, I talk about it. And I think Jews and Iranians have so much in common. <laughs> and one of those things is education. And I think the reason yes. that immigrants from different parts of the world succeed is because of the stress of education that we don't actually get in this country, but immigrants coming to the country have. And that's what people are, are threatened for. Sorry, I'm not trying to get into a tirade. You know, what's interesting, you're just saying that, is that, is that it's mostly the immigrants that, that, really understand or take advantage of the education. I mean, you got all these immigrants. People are dying all over the world just to come to the American mm-hmm. educational system, just yeah. to come to an American university, college, mm-hmm. school, whatever, learn English. And, and and because of that, because they have to work so hard at that opportunity, that's why, like you're saying, that maybe some of them are excelling so much because, one, they choose it. Two, they know how difficult it is to enter the country and to enter the educational system. And then they really try to take advantage of everything that's been handed to them, where maybe a lot of Americans don't acknowledge it or don't see how important it is or they don't, you know, it's kind of given to them. It's kind of... Are you you saying they're privileged and don't appreciate what they have? No, that's not possible. (laughs) No, you just said that. That's right. I said it, guys. It was on me. (laughs) Yes, exactly. That's why the immigrants, as you're saying, because you're right, you know, there's a lot of people coming, especially from this part of the world. There's tons of Iranians going to universities and getting their, you know, PhDs and getting their masters or doctorates mm-hmm. or whatever coming to US and uh, and actually it's it's a, it's been a win-win situation because outside of the politics and the you know the uh, back and forth fightings that everyone has with each other the mm-hmm. fact is that you know they love it when you've got these you know brains coming from different parts of the world and mm-hmm. contributing to the American system but anyway that was going to be No that's I, I wanted That's to ask you about this because of your, 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 your background, post 9-11, all, all that stuff, which is, it seemed like the backlash was going to be just like fully everyone from the Middle East, but it really manifested in the early stages as anti-Islam, which is interesting because uh, the vast majority of Arabs, I'm not going to talk about Persians, the vast majority of Arabs in this country are Christian. Um, and are the middle or middle up, uh, upper middle class, which is mm-hmm. all, which is very interesting, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, wh- what was your experience as a as a Persian in this country? Because I feel like the United States. I mean, Israel is even a more extreme example of this, but Israel and the United States have a very bipolar view about both Iran and Iranians over the years. Um, have you was your experience growing up that you were grouped in with other people from the region, which would be sort of the the sort of stereotype of how Americans would would, would treat you in that situation? Well, um, it's interesting because when I first came to America, mm-hmm. no one even knew or had heard of Iran. So when people say, "Where are you from? Where did you just come from?" and I'd say Iran, they had no idea. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Once I'll never forget. Mm-hmm. Once I, I said, "I'm," um, you know, I was from Tehran. I was from Iran, and um, Somebody actually said, you know, I've always wanted to visit Australia. I never had the chance yet. 
And and I just yeah. kind of like, you know, those like that okay. German shepherd ears, you know, when it like, goes to the side. I, mm-hmm. I, it took me a second to understand because I was like, why is she changing the subject? Then I realized that she didn't. She actually thought that Iran is someplace in Australia. So and then I actually told her, I said, yeah, I'd love to one day visit Australia, too. I'd love to see it. I, I don't know. I've never been there. I would love no, to. No, no. So Godless sharks and snakes all over the place. You do not want to go anywhere near that country. <laughs> love me those aussies <laughs> yeah, me too. Um, i love the australians i, I agree yeah. so many iranians are going there too just for school and education but anyway i uh, a lot of people didn't know where iran was a lot of people didn't know and then right after the iranian revolution and then with the u.s the hostage crisis all of a sudden everyone became an iranian expert yep. and everyone was like you know that but in a bad way you know so uh, I went from no one having any idea where I was from and to I was you're like, the enemy. how to speak English yep. to all of a sudden becoming mm-hmm. the enemy. And back then I was young. I was in school. Did you? And these kids would come and like, you know, put things on my locker. They would okay. notes, you know, go back to your country. If, I, I got to ask you this straight up. If, if, you know, you look at the Japanese internment camps and um, mm-hmm. World War II and obviously the immigrant camps that somehow was still not getting a ton of media coverage. All, all the immigrant kids. I mean... Right. Why should our liberal celebrities be the one? <laughs> like, why isn't more people talking about this? Um, but anyways, you know, well, obviously- our, our celebrities, the American celebrity is the American version of our royal family. I know we don't have, but what's have crazy is both that represents us, but the, yes. the American celebrity represents yes, but, but, but America's the, image across the world. I agree with you. But if you look at the young princes in England and the actual not full of shit, American celebrities, like, you know, like everyone from, I think Clooney or people like Clooney, you know, um, the non-total hypocritical ones. It's actually very Even liberal. Even Jim Carrey lately. Been, been following Jim Carrey yeah. stuff a lot lately with his paintings and stuff. Maybe just the guilt is overwhelming them, and that's why they're so active. You know what I mean? But like, you know. It, it, well, there was a time. There was a time. Because I also, as you, you, know, you know, I worked in entertainment in the management side. So, you know, giving advice and advising the artists from the management perspective mm-hmm. and being their voice to the outside world, being mm-hmm. connecting to everyone from, you know, different angles and different industry, different uh, parts within the industry. Sure. Um, I will say this in there uh, a long time ago. Well, that's not true. I should say even up until recently, people didn't want to hear anything serious. They didn't want to hear opinions from their celebrities, not from the actors, not from the singers. Singers maybe a little bit more because they were used to, you know, after after Vietnam and after, you know, um, yes. Woodstock and, you know, the that generation, era, yep. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, music became music became, yeah. you know, the the voice to to give you a message. I mean, think think Pink Floyd, you know, what Dylan. they did with their yep. with their with mm-hmm. the Dylan and what they did with the, you know, the Wall album. Yep. So people at that time, but especially with actors and stuff, they're like, you know what, do your acting we don't want to hear what you think right but things Cause, no because your instinct is or your instinct is to just be like fuck you enjoy your wealth you know stop preaching but be happy with what you got yeah. you of all people you're not connected to the reality of what's going on in the real world who are you mm-hmm. to speak but the truth is that if when when and if and often there are plenty of entertainers that have a lot to say and because they have the power to speak to the masses and the masses are listening to them they have the opportunity to speak their voice and if they're if they're if it's combined with their intellect if they have something smart to say if they've traveled a bit if they know about what they're speaking about why not use that platform 
Why not? Yes. I mean, you know, yeah. a lot of these politicians that become yeah. these huge mega politicians and people, you know, their voices are, whether you want or not, your vo- their voices are, you know, shown to us through television, radio, this, internet, whatever. A lot of them, like, where do they come from? They become that celebrity. They become that uh, that politician. But the fact is that if you've got the talent and if you've got the know-how and if you know how to connect with the masses and if you have a message, a good message, yeah. or if you come from an experience that you yeah. have something to share, mm-hmm. then share. You know? And we don't have – I mean, I think, I am, I think um, yeah. I'm so inspired. I'm so actually inspired uh, by those people who stand up and say something because sometimes you mean example who's, who's someone who who's inspiring you who you think is doing great work out there because I, I you know i don't know how closely you follow the bizzle cast i do talk politics social issues and stuff but i normally frame it around you know movies i'm a huge star wars fan i i think star wars yeah. is, an, is an extremely radical mess i mean if you watch a rogue one they're terrorists yeah, taking yeah. down the evil empire. I mean, it's, you know, if you really look at it, it's very radical. So I, I, I you know, bring in pop culture. My whole thing that is to bridge pop culture and politics and social issues, which is very tough because most people want to just talk politics or just talk escapism. I'm trying to bridge the two. But, but actually, it's, it's the most clever way to get heard in an easy environment, in a safe environment, and if you have a message to say, mm-hmm. and if there are people that share that message or who need to hear it, there's no better way than getting in touch with the masses and speaking with the masses through yeah. entertainment. I mean, that's been my, that's my love, that's my passion, it's my life experience, and I've worked with the biggest names in, you know, in the business. So mm-hmm. there is no better way than if you have something good to say or if you have a message, that's the way to do it. Because it's a safe environment, because you're not coming from this listening of, oh, here's this guy who's going to be bullshitting us already. Or here's this person, oh, well, of course he's got an agenda. Or of course, he's. when if someone says something in entertainment, whether it's film or whether it's a, whether it's a music, it's, it's, what, it's what they wanted you to listen to. It's, it's a message that they have for you. And it's an easy environment. You're sitting either at home watching a movie or you're going to the theater or you're listening with friends or you're listening in the car or whatever it is. It's a safe environment. And also, it's not asking you, it's not a dialogue. It's not asking mm. you to respond, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So while there's yep. no dialogue involved, all you're doing is you're listening. But they want a dialogue. If they're real about well, it, they do want the dialogue. But yeah, you're right. Well, yes. the dialogue happens later on. Mm-hmm. But all you're doing in that moment, you're watching or yeah. you're listening to whatever is being presented yeah. to you, whether it's music or format or film or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's you're, you're being shown a message. You're being shown an idea. You're being shown something. And like I said, it's not a dialogue. So you get to choose mm-hmm. later on if you agree or if you don't agree yeah. or if you learn something well, or if you didn't learn something. But later, it kind of like just it registers. In a song, it could be repetitive. You just keep hearing it again until maybe you really understand the message. In a yeah. movie, you know, you're getting a message. And then maybe even while you're discussing it, because everything afterwards happens in dialogue. If a, if a conversation comes up, then you realize what you just learned or something. So... I think um, I think to be able to do that and to be able to marry important issues, whether it's politics or mm-hmm. social, cultural conversations, and marry it through the vessel of entertainment or games or whatever, why not? I think that's brilliant because I mean, it's safe. I, look, I'm an idealist in terms of <laughs> hoping for the best, but I'm also a pragmatist in terms of assessing the situation. And I look at someone like Emma Watson, okay? Emma Watson is one of the most famous young actresses in the world. 
She's got 50 million Instagram followers, tens of million Twitter followers, and she pretty much only tweets and Instagrams about social and political issues. Like, she's not posting self naked, half-naked selfies of herself, which many men and women I didn't are. know that. I don't follow her, so I didn't know that. Now I will. Oh, yeah. And she she just launched the first, uh, you know, Goodreads, uh, the site Goodreads, um, interviewing young um, women, international minority uh, poets and authors, like interview series where she interviews uh, uh, young women and people of color uh, doing doing literature um, on a show. I mean, she's like she's like a hyper intellectual, like it's hurting her career at this point. Like she's not taking enough jobs like she's just doing this. And that's I the, think the new generation of people. That's the thing. It's it's hurting. She's the, 24. She, she's fucking hurting, 24 they, years old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And her followers get it. Her, you, you know, the younger generations yeah. are giving people permission yeah. to be multilayered. Where the older generations, it's like very, you know, it's instead of like, you know, instead of um, being like a laser beam, it was like a floodlight. You can't, you can't be thinking about this and talking about that. You can't and be this, acting and, and also, but the new generation is giving people permission yes. to show who they are. Permission. And normally yep. who we are, mm-hmm. normally who we are, we're multi-layered people. I could, mm-hmm. you know, I could have different thoughts on different things. I could love to talk about music business at the same time, love to see what's going on politically, what's happening. Yeah. You know, it's, it, I'm allowed to think of more than one thing at a time. I'm allowed to be and to think of more than one thing That's at a thing. time. That's the thing. That is the thing. There is something about the distillation of Protestant and Catholic Christianity in this country where you have to believe one thing all the time and we judge you by that and you can never change. Netta, well, there's a whole new generation of people coming out and saying bullshit. I know, no but don't, <laughs> wasn't it interesting how, you know, the, those Trump, uh, the insiders, you know, who said we're the resistance inside the Trump administration, blah, blah, blah. Half the liberal media immediately was like, you are cowards. You should identify yourself. I'm like, really? Really? This is I, the response? I was one of those people. Yeah. Even me. I said that. I mean, I, I said that because, I, I, because I, it's not good enough. How did they get there in the it's first not- place? How did they get it in the first place? They're not us. Me and you aren't in that in that circle. So if they're telling the truth, then why are we alienating them as soon as they're giving us information? We should be plying them for more information. Well, first of all, first of all, they're telling us the truth, the truth that most of us knew anyway. It doesn't. Are you? If no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm assuming. Are you talking about like the? I'm assuming that their claims from, about being inside and their direct interactions with the president and how. Yes, I'm making a big assumption here that they're being truthful about the entire thing. I believe it. I believe it. I'm just saying, duh. <laughs> you know, it's like what if you're talking about? You're referring to this letter that came out in the New York Times, written by an anonymous person who's on top advisors. Or four people, of, supposedly, yeah. Or or three or four or <sighs> ten or all. He's saying that we're not alone. He or she is saying that we're not alone in this. You know, great. I'm glad. I, I'm going to push back. Out, no, I. I- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I I think this is a difficult point to argue on because we might be interpreting who these people are differently. But in general, I think the Liberal Party is having a tough time judging each other and one another too harshly. It, it was Bernie versus Hillary judgment fest 2016, yes. and we all lost. 
you know? Yes. Because Hillary yes. voted for something in 1998. And look, I will tell you right off the bat, you can listen to my podcast, talk to Eric, talk to anyone we know in common. I was a giant Hillary supporter. I have no problem with the Clintons, specifically with Hillary, and was horrified with how that whole thing went down. She's not perfect, but saying, right. you voted for XYZ in 1999, you know, June or whatever. I was just like, you have to be kidding me. Do you realize the alternative? And now we have the alternative. And that's the thing. I mean, you can put your foot down and say, I'm not going to support a corrupt Democrat just to avoid, but well, okay. Okay. So deal, deal with this, right? I mean, isn't there a point? You're an American citizen from an immigrant family. I'm about two generations in Jewish from Eastern Europe, avoided the Holocaust. Thank God worked, <laughs> worked out. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? And by the way, this is the bizarre place of the Jewish American which is, we are very well off and established in this country, but it wasn't that way 40 years ago, and we're still afraid of the Holocaust, and we're not really accepted by Americans, but we're also not accepted by minorities and immigrants, you know, as being minorities and immigrants. It's interesting. I'm not complaining. Don't get me wrong. I am definitely not complaining whatsoever. (laughs) I've been treated white my entire life, except when I'm called a kike, you know, so (laughs) occasionally, you know, it changes. I'm, I'm aware that I'm white, but it just goes to show you i here's the thing that i think what this shows is i always tell people of all the rich western white countries i think america is the least racist rich western white country in the on the planet because of the amount of difference and diversity in history needing to deal with you've been to western europe it's how they deal how they don't even look at people from africa or other, you know, I mean, it, they're like ghosts on the street, you know, selling DVDs. It, it's horrifying. I spent a lot of time in Spain, and looking how African immigrants are treated in Spain. It's not forgiving the horribleness in this country. But don't you agree that it's just like it's this, it's this really dangerous combination of a lot of ignorant old white middle Americans mixed with the reality of the planet, which let's be honest, I don't think most people are really capable of understanding it, but I do think that's what the younger generation is doing. Well, is seeing themselves as global, uh, global citizens. Um, yes. And this is what I want to talk about actually with your documentary career as well. Because well, let me just, as you're yes, saying go. this, first of all, first of all, I do agree throughout my travels. And this is why when I'm outside of America, like I am right now, Currently, I'm in Turkey, living in Turkey. Um, One of the music and cultural at, meccas of the world, by the way. Which is, I had no idea this place is as magical as oh. it is. I had zero idea, which I'll get into that later. But when I, you know, the truth is that when, I, when I'm outside, I get to really see and also compare and talk. Yes, America's going through some major growing pains. Hopefully, I, you know, you and I have had this conversation before. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, this is not the decline mm-hmm. of, a, of the, you know, of an empire. Hopefully, this is a growing pains and it gets ugly. You know, as you're growing, you go through your ugly phases and you have to, you know, look inside yourself and you have to go through all sorts of, it's almost like a snake skinning itself and kind yeah. of, you know, hitting itself against hard, mm-hmm. um, you know, hard surfaces to kind of de-skin itself and then it comes out bright shining with a brand new skin. Hopefully, that's what America's going through, some growing pains. But having said that, of course, I mean, when you, you know, it, it's terrible. Yes, we're seeing the ugly underbelly 
of a lot of Americans, a lot more than I expected, a lot more than a lot of us thought mm-hmm. were existing. But maybe they needed to kind of come up to, you know, come up to the surface so that we can see what an issue we have and how big of a problem it is so that we can dismantle it. Mm-hmm. Um, having said that, you're right, in comparison to the 330 million people that live in America, the voice of this ugliness that we're seeing coming out is really just you know, a small portion. And then some people will say, well, how could you say a small portion when half the country voted for someone like Trump? So that's not a small portion. It's a lot bigger than we expected. That is absolutely true. Oh, yeah. But a lot of he people, still has a 40% a lot of approval rating. Vote. Yeah, it's disgusting. Yeah. A lot of people didn't vote. A lot of people didn't come out. And that's what every and election what is about. It's just so frustrating, which is so every election that is... So half of America yeah. is for this guy. Yep. They're not. Yep. You know, and that's why we America's know Obama campaigning. That's exactly why we and know think, Obama. Yeah, and I think what's and I think what's good, what what good came out of it is that as a result of Trump being in, uh, you know, being the president of the country, it actually gave voice to the voiceless. Yes, people that never, yes. people that never would yeah. have gotten up, people that never would have stood up and said something, yeah. are now standing up and saying something. Mm-hmm. People that would have never gotten involved mm-hmm. have gotten involved. Mm-hmm. So, in an effort, it 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 made people so uncomfortable that they got pushed into the stage and this this international stage of, you know, what we need the world to know that this is not who we are as Americans. Because that's and, how we operate, yeah. back against the wall. The, the, that's how humans operate. The average operate. American is not that. The average American is not that. And the ones that are, mm-hmm. you know, they're all going to have a, a very um, bitter pill to swallow mm-hmm. during this time okay. with, with Trump. I know a lot of people are leaving him. A lot of people, a lot no, of fuck it. Look, are not look, following. Net, 40% of this country isn't going to believe the media, even if they're proving that Trump is the worst person in the world. They'll say, oh, it's a media conspiracy. So, uh, <laughs> You're right. We need to educate. Education is our problem in America because the fact that, you know, the fact that everyone truly just, you know, watches Mm -hmm. the media or Mm -hmm. film or something and thinks that that is the full picture of something. Let's go there. Let's go there. Let's do this. Let's do this. Okay. So one thing I love about you is you and And, I both. And sorry, sorry, before, before I forget, the most important thing, the most important education that Americans haven't gotten. The most important education that people are missing in America is that because the country is so big and because it's so far from other countries, you know, mm-hmm. far being six, seven hours away from Europe or, or even more in, you know, the Middle East or Australia or England, whatever, Americans don't travel enough. The average American doesn't travel as much as they should be compared to other cultures, compared to especially Europeans and the Brits. Or They don't travel enough. And because everything they want and everything, they, and, and that's the beauty of the country. You want water, you want beauty, you go to Hawaii, you can go to California, you can go to the desert, you can go to the jungles. You have everything right there. So you can't grow when you're inside your own cage, when you're inside your own country. That's all you see and hear is your own language, your own people, your own culture. Sure, we're a melting pot. And you can say you go to New York and you got all the cultures right then and there. But it's not. The one thing that Americans aren't doing enough is traveling abroad and seeing this i <laughs> just no had money a with healthcare and taxes and shit they got no fucking money even if they I wanted just, to i i just had a conversation this morning with a friend of mine mm-hmm. whose brother is a high level guy in the military okay and i've known her for many years she's worked in the music business go on i, I love her and uh-huh. and listen she was from upstate new york and i remember going to phoenicia upstate new york on yeah. christmas going to their little literally it was like little house in the prairie church 
in the middle of this field with covered with snow and I'd go there for midnight mass church with them because, you know, I was her guest for Christmas. And I mean, that's that family. And her brother was like this top level military guy. And she always said, Oh, you know, I can't wait for you to meet him, but just, I'm letting you know, he's a little bit, you know, he's not too cool about people from the middle East and blah, blah, blah. And, but you're so American and I would love for him to meet you because then maybe you can change his mind. Anyway, years passes and I'm talking to her just this morning before talking to you. And she told me that by the way, He's he's actually in Turkey now. You guys should meet. You know, you can finally. You didn't get a chance to meet in America. What are the chances that he happens to be in Turkey at the mm. same time you are? And by the way, I'm like, yeah, I'd always wanted to meet him and talk to him. She's like, guess what? He was uh, stationed in Afghanistan, and all that racism and all that anger and hatred that he had after going to Afghanistan changed. And I said, is that so? What happened? She's like, he lived with them. He lived among them, and yep. he realized that yep. his mentality. So mm-hmm. here's a guy that works in the military. He's a guy that's like, you know, that's as American and as American as apple pie as you can get, you know, with mm-hmm. his background and upbring- upbringing. But he traveled. He met. He mm-hmm. spoke. He sat. He, you know, broke bread and but had a chance to even- see for himself. This is what Americans aren't doing enough, yes. I think, in my opinion. But w- what's also being lost is even uneducated rednecks who serve overseas also have these revelations. And that is why I thought The Hurt Locker is one of the most brilliant movies of all time. Mm. Jeremy Renner as the bomb diffuser, who seems to care not whatsoever for the foreign people of Iraq or Afghanistan, wherever the fuck they are. But right. he forms a relationship with a young boy, and he gives them money for DVDs, which he knows are going to be bullshit, but they play soccer, and, you know, that's his, like, one human connection, because his family's on the other side of the country. And then uh, they cut the boy up to make him a drug mule, or, or a bomb, sorry, a bomb mule, and he was already insane but he at that point completely lost his mind to the point where even when he goes back to his actual family he can't relate to them anymore and wants to come back to the middle east which is just yeah. fucked up all it the way it happens a lot yes. it happens a lot no one should be forced to kill other people under any circumstances unless it's the nazis and even then it's horrifying you know Ugh. and so you know and so ned i would love to go this place with you to continue this social and political discussion but talk about movies because I know you love movies and I love movies and yes. we've never really had this talk and this is why I love war movies like The Hurt Locker like Rogue One I, I just I like Apocalypse Now which is probably you know my one of my favorite movies of all time um, mm-hmm. I, but you know also dystopian movies like Children of Men and V for Vendetta the stuff I talk about with my, my, my audience all the time, I would love to talk about movies. You, you can literally talk about anything. Like, for example, the movie Timbuktu, which probably none of my listeners listening right now know what the movie Timbuktu is from a couple of years ago, which was this <laughs> little indie film in, you know, in Northern Mali that was like a sort of semi-drama, semi-documentary about what Al-Qaeda was doing with their hypocritical bullshit you know, in Mali briefly before the French bombed them. That's a whole other situation. But you know what I'm talking about so i love i love how you're so interested about what's happening in the world and and history and you know i mean god bless you this is well i don't this is what i don't feel comfortable in this country i mean that's the thing i mean having lived in israel is this a new feeling no 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 Mm -mm. no because i have israeli family and this is where the complex identity stuff comes in is not only do i have israeli family they serve in the military and at least half of them are not on my political level i would say I openly am very politically opposed to almost everything Israel has done since Rabin was assassinated. (laughs) 
and there's get, a lot of and they get so mad of, at me but they still love me but they serve in the yeah. military and i don't it's it's fucked up you know what i mean like it's it's, it's an identity crisis it is people like us it is crazy because because yeah. because you don't agree with what's happening yeah. in your own hometown yeah. you also don't agree what's happening in yeah. you know the country you're born well, you know I, it's I, it's a i'm also a pragmatist crisis. when it comes to the middle east situation and the conflict between iran and israel it never made sense even if you were a cutthroat military political leader it doesn't make sense like, if you're yeah. only concerned about yourself, either from the Iranian perspective or the Israeli perspective, it doesn't make sense. The Arabs are the common enemy, quote unquote. Obviously, I don't feel that way, but you know what I mean? Like, politically. Things have changed, obviously, now. Between, yeah, uh, now, now, now with Saudi Arabia, the, yeah. the mix, and, but, you know, but, 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 the mix makes them, Israel's but, new BFF. But, but here's what's so crazy is unlike Americans, who many are uneducated and group Iran, Persians and Arabs together. Israelis are very clear about who is Persian and who is Arab, and yet still conflict with both. I I, I can't understand it. I can't understand I, I, it. I'm wondering if your listeners. I'm wondering if your listeners know that uh, when we say Iran and when we say you know the difference between Persians and Arabs. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot. I get this on a daily basis um, from people outside of you know the, this region. People assume actually. You know what's crazy? I'm living in Turkey, and some Turks even. Uh, thought that our language is like almost the same. I mean, I mean that's uh, that's perhaps way too extreme because I'm still shocked Whose that I would hear that. The from. Same? They would think that Iranians and Arabs are are pretty much the same. Well, it's the same uh, script, Persians, a very different language. Yeah, per, different language, different culture, different. You know, but a lot of people just assume Persians everyone in Iran it. are Arabs, mm-hmm. and and they're not. It's a whole different. It's a whole different culture. It's a whole different By language. The way, everything. On behalf of the Jewish people, thank you for freeing us from the Babylonians three thousand <laughs> years ago. Babylonians. <laughs> King Xerxes is a, is a big hero in the Jewish community. <laughs> you guys I'm freed sure, us from I, the Babylonians. Yeah. I'm sure you also know that even yeah. current day uh-huh. in current Iran, Iran is home to the second largest so Jewish Jews. population. So many Jews. No, no. The second largest yeah. Jewish population in the Middle East yep. outside of Israel mm-hmm. is currently living in Iran. Yeah. And guess what they're not doing? Stringing them up and murdering them, you know? They even, they're, they're living there. <laughs> they have their synagogues. Yeah. They have their religious freedom to, mm-hmm. to, you know, follow their faith and go to synagogue. And they even have a seat in parliament. Because this is you know it's it's, it's yeah. only one seat because of the you know the population it's based something. on the numbers of population. Yeah, you know what? But yeah. their voices being no. their voices, yeah. you know whether it's being listened to or approved or whatever. But the mm-hmm. point is that they they have a seat in Iranian Parliament representing the Jewish people. So it's the second largest Jewish population in the it's Middle an East. It's amazingly vibrant Israel. population. And people yes. think that as yes. a Jew you go to Iran you're going to get your cut off. You know, I, cut off. Yeah, they just don't know. I only don't go because my family know. would be hor- would be scared irrationally. <laughs> Honestly, I would go tomorrow if i could i I really would Um, i went to the iranian bazaars and there were all sorts of of um copper artwork or dishes and all sorts of you know beautiful stuff we look the same is the thing i mean here's the thing writings on them they were all written in hebrew the the thing is if, if you take the kurds like I, I'm really into like you know the genetic history of this whole thing. So Kurds or uh, Persians and, and Jews, uh, or or Israelites, whatever, what do you know? Hebrews, Middle Eastern Jews, uh, Saf- mm-hmm. Sephardim. Um, I'm sorry, Mizrahim, Eastern Jews. Right, right. Are genetically much closer to one another than Arabs are to any of them. Yes. And obviously in Turkey, the thing no one talks about is Turks are ninety percent Greek genetically. 
Um, yes. Even while taken over by a Central Asian country, which also has nothing to do with the region, um, which is very interesting. And so, you know, this globaliza- the globalization thing was happening so long ago, and now we're dealing with the consequences of it, right? Of course. And, and I'm sorry, if you guys are hearing a little bit of noise for your listeners, I needed my coffee, so I'm making myself Yeah, no, little- go. <laughs> So here, no, here's my, no, here's my no. I'm going to move us. This is a great transition. Noise. Okay, so I want to talk movies. Go ahead. I want to talk movies. Any movies? What movies do you love? Because you're a filmmaker, but you're also a musician. But I, the thing is, I don't know any great musicians who don't love film and vice versa. Like because they're so interconnected. So of course, even if I didn't know that you are a great filmmaker, which I know that you are, and I want to talk about some of them. But but I should I should I should put a little disclaimer in here. I never set out to be, in the beginning, I never set out to be a filmmaker. Sure. The first thing that I ever, the first thing, because I mean, my background has always been mostly, you know, up until then, it was all about music. So the first thing that I did was, mm-hmm. uh, I never, I, I'm not a filmmaker. I was not a filmmaker. I don't know anything about, you know, that world other than loving watching documentaries and films. Mm-hmm. But it was after 9-11 that I was so angry at seeing so much fear and anger towards, you know, at that point, Iran. Um, and it's like the people that I know and the people that these people are talking about are two different things. And they're thinking that these politicians and what they're saying is exactly who this country just, is. And they're two uh, different. Two I'm different sorry. I, I don't interrupt. I, I just f- historical point of fact, uh, Iran actively tried to help the Bush administration with their goals post 9-11 militarily. Just so you people know, the Iranian government tried to help Bush. He told them to go fuck themselves, and then you guys got a more conservative government. Sorry. I, 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 um, not only, not only I had that, to say that, way, because that's historical day, fact. Yeah. To this day, the Iranian intelligence is helping America fight ISIS. I mean, it's all it's all Sabak, right? It's all it's it's because of his, the Israeli and American sponsorship of the terror government pre-Iranian revolution. There's I, there's just no coming back from that, I guess, which is really yeah. sad. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, there's so much. There's so yeah. much. Uh, so there's so much this. of what people. No, there's so is, much what we see in here, yes. and there's so much of reality. So, what's going on in okay. the background? All right. So this will be a great way for people to get to know your your artistic taste. So. We deal with certain oh. threats of dystopia here. Iran obviously has had certain threats of dystopia. You know, some are based more on reality than others. Like, what are like some movies that people will be familiar with, been influential for you? They could be documentaries, uh, they could be really dark movies, they could be Disney movies, they could be anything, but like movies that were influential for you either growing up or more recently in, in what you're doing. God, that's such a tough question. Like I mean, anything. I, I, like, for example, I say children I of men. Get, like, I think children of I men is like captures. I by it. something on Disney. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, well, real, I've seen, I've gotten, I've gotten more, I've gotten more messages from a Disney movie sometimes <laughs> than, uh, I know. than some I of know. the other stuff. I spend lots of time defending um, Disney and then defending myself for defending Disney for exactly Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot more, there's a lot more lessons and cultural social conversations. And if you know why, film. you know why Disney is the only company that makes primarily all their money on movies. That's why every Perfect. other company, whether it's Fox, Sony, Paramount, right. Universal, they don't make most of their money on 
making actual movies or, or you know, just turning out Mission Impossible movies or whatever, you know, and they've got lots of other businesses. So Disney actually has to cater to the populace, which also you look at Disney in the 30s, it was pretty racist, you know? Yeah. These yeah, days, exactly. however, you know. Political. Yes, yes. But once Bob Iger, with the help of Steve Jobs, uh, t- turned over Disney in the early 2000s, it's been better, you know, but it's, yeah, it, it's tough. Um, but yeah, so just anything. I don't know. Like what? what I growing can't, up, honestly, yeah. I can't. I mean, I watch. I watch a lot of documentaries. Uh, What's your favorite movie? What's your phases. favorite movie? I, I'll ask you right now. What's your favorite movie? I can't. I can't possibly. There's so many times just I instinct, walk out. Just instinct. Shoot from the hip. Boom. Something that just as you said that a movie that I've watched yes. several times yes. over and over is Go. an older movie. I think from the '90s, The Joy Luck Club. Oh, that just came to mind. Joy Luck Club. Yep. Uh, as a woman, mm-hmm. as seeing something from, you know, it was an immigrant family. It's about a Chinese family. It kind of shows the generation gap. Yes. You know, the, and the that, by the way, was one of the first examples of a book and movie that both were very revolutionary at the same time. Now that happens all the time. That didn't used to happen. I used to have a, um, I used to have, she's like my sister. I had a, a Chinese roommate um, who, God, I've known her for maybe 20, 25 years now. And she even came to visit me here in Turkey. And we watched it together the first time. And I remember there were so many messages. And, and each time, somehow in my life, as a woman, not necessarily as an immigrant, just as a woman, every time something goes on, every once in a while, I'll just sit down and watch it. And, and something new pops out, or something new comes, or I needed to hear something again, and I see it through that movie. So, um, a lot of movies, I mean, po- politic, political movies, things like that make me angry because sometimes they're so... Say anything, uh, honestly. I, there's no embarrassment here. I like the Pitch no, Perfect no, movies. Even, I literally, I have no shame, but I like I, Apocalypse I, I, Now. I I'm like all over the place. Yes, I like that too. That was that was great. I go through so many different phases. I mean, I mm-hmm. love all... If it's done well... What genre of movie do you that, like? Like, what's your, like, your fallback? Like, you got Prime or Netflix, you're on the road, blah, blah, blah. Like, what's your, like, fallback? Not necessarily I'm, guilty pleasure, but, like, I want to have a movie experience, but, like, this is my... Listen, I'm cut. so multi-layered. I'm so multi-layered. I know I'm you are. Woman. So I'm trying to peel I between... Yeah. Sometimes because I'm always following mm-hmm. what's happening in the world and news and politics so much, I need to just tune out and I'll go into my, my favorite little, you know, genre, which is romantic comedy. Yes. Something funny. Give something it to me. Romantic, I love romantic it's comedy. Like, give it to me. Felicity Jones is you know, one of my favorite actors. Just give it to me. So many. I don't even know where to begin. Yeah. I don't even know where to begin. There's so many. Literally. Uh, Have you seen Miss India just, America? Miss India America, I've not seen. With Tia Sarkar? No. Okay, yeah, go ahead. No, yeah. no. And I will say this, I, I don't watch as much movie as I did in, in America as I am here because I don't watch TV here because I, I don't really understand the language Turkish so much. So once in a while, I'll put it on. So most of the time, I'll just go on Netflix yeah. or I'll watch it. Right now, I'm actually... Give it to I me. I don't know why I didn't get turned on. I'm watching the series Shameless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone says this is great. I know. I'm way behind on that, too. Yeah. I was way behind. I remember seeing one Mm. or two episodes years ago, Mm -hmm. and I was like, whatever. And I never got into it. But now I'm here. I'm watching it. I'm all in. So, okay. Because it's like totally, it's hilarious. It's it's like the underbelly Uh of the American, you know, family lifestyle or whatever. Uh And everything that's just so unpolitically correct. Because everything you see. 
and everything you hear is so politically correct. It's so fine-tuned and chiseled and gorgeous and, and, and you know, ready or, you know, just so correctness is, is overtaken our society that you just want to see some things that are just going against it. And this is why I think Shameless, which is huge. Now so what's I think the line? here in this What's region, the line, though? What, what's the line between intelligently politically incorrect and offensively politically incorrect? Um, I guess if it makes you laugh, it's okay. If it mm. makes you uncomfortable. Well, this is the whole comedian it, thing, right? Is that yeah, comedian? Oh, this is a great transition. If it makes you, oh, you, you, makes you feel uncomfortable, then that's yeah. the line. So, I haven't okay. felt uncomfortable. Are, are you cool talking Yaz for a little bit? This is a great transition. So, Of course. <clears throat> so the two types of artists that can tell the truth on the planet are comedians and hip-hop artists, right? I mean, those are the two, essentially. And yes. you worked with one of the greats from Iran, Yaz, which is, I guess, how we initially came in touch with you, but we stayed in touch, you know, long past that. Um, and so, um, well, the, first for my listeners, the biggest hip hop artist. Yeah, so Iran. give my listeners a little sense of Yaz because that's how we met you and what that experience was like a little bit, and just your, you know, your your uh, you know your passion for that kind of uh, that music. I went to I went to having worked in the music business. Um, obviously, I went back to Iran to shoot the documentary. Uh, it was called Nobody's Enemy because mm-hmm. I wanted to prove that the Iranian people aren't the enemy of the Americans or to the West. And this is not what you see on the news is, you know, don't mistake that with the average person living in the country. So I made this documentary called Nobody's Enemy and um, got a lot of attention. I get a lot of lectures and screenings at uh, universities across America and some, fest- you know, some uh, events uh, overseas. And when I went to Iran, it was during the elections where Ahmadinejad won his first term. So when I went there, naturally, coming from a music background, I wanted to see what's what's happening on the new on the on the music scene. Because a lot of the music that I had heard, you know, my parents or, you know, friends or whatever listening were just very like mm. slow pop or pop music. And it was okay, but it wasn't my complete, you know, it wasn't really my cup of tea. So there was a part of me that was curious, but not so curious. I was like, well, let me cover the music scene because, because obviously it's, it's my background and I'm curious. But I had no idea that while I was gone during these years and during the revolution, you know, during this, these past decade or so, what was happening inside the country in the underground scene, which is where all the real music was happening. Why do we say it's underground? Because these music, such as hip hop, wasn't sanctioned, wasn't okay by the government to go ahead. So, in other words, these kids that were, like, you know, recording and, and and singing and putting out music, the government wasn't giving them permission. There was no way they could record it and sell your music. There's no way they can have a concert, make money off of it. So, these kids would go underground and start doing the recording. And underground, through their whole movements. The music started going, you know, through the internet, to the help of internet, and mm-hmm. and basically person to person, mm-hmm. spreading their music and the message. Mm-hmm. So I kind of delved into this new underground at that time in 2005. What was new to me was this underground music scene. And uh, how I met Yas was basically I was supposed to go into a recording studio and uh, film this owner of the recording studio, and he was like working on a piano album or something. And at the last minute, he was afraid. Because apparently, I think it was BBC or some other you know major network had come there a few months ago. Yeah. They did some stories on the underground scene or for the music scene or whatever, mm-hmm. and they kind of portrayed them as political, and it, they put some danger political. on them and a, dang- a dangerous spotlight on these people that interviewed them. So yeah. all the translation, sudden, I care I about the world. Oh, God forbid. 
you know, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But no, no, I mean, they portrayed these Iranians yeah. as, as. No, know, but don't you feel like, like it's become a dirty word, whether it's America or Iran? It's become a dirty word to say something's political, which is so yeah. disturbing. Go ahead. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, so these guys at the last minute, they canceled on me. They said, you know what? I'm, I'm so sorry. I just, we don't feel comfortable. You coming here with a camera crew mm-hmm. and talking to us and we don't want any kind of uh, negative spotlight on us. We don't want people to know where we are. Our recording studios give us a hard time, close us down and blah, 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 which I understood. But I kept saying, listen, I'm, I work in the music business. I understand your world more than you know. I'm not here to put you in danger. I just want the world to know what you guys are doing and how fabulous it is. And, you know, whatever I said, the guy said, no, no, sorry. So I had my camera crew. I had my sound guy and my, you know, my friend, Sarah, who was visiting with me at the time. And she was doing all the, uh, the live photography for the documentary. And I said, fine, we'll just go get some, co- you know, some kebabs for you guys and just call it a night, I guess. Then my sound guy called a friend of his mm-hmm. who was recording, coincidentally, in the studio. His name was Yas, Yasser. Uh, and he's like, listen, I just talked to him. They're in the studio right now. They said, it's okay if you want to go in with the cameras. I'm like, mm-hmm. are you sure? Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, what kind of stuff? He's like, hip hop. I was like, what? Hip hop. And I said, Persian hip hop, Iranian hip hop. And he's like, yeah. I said, yeah, I don't know if I want to cover that. It's got to be so bad. It's got to suck. So I, I kind of don't want to show something that's got to <laughs> suck. I'm trying to show the good stuff, you know, to show because they've seen, enough, they've yeah. seen enough bad uh-huh. stuff. Let me show them something yeah. good. And yeah. you know, I don't want them to be ridiculed. Yeah. And so he's like, no, no, it's okay. And, you know, the guy's really good. He's just starting out and only, you know. So we go to the studio. I mean, Kanye is famous in America. If Kanye can be famous in America, anyone can be famous anywhere. Let's be honest. (laughs) Kanye, oof. Anyway. I said it. No uh, talent piece of shit. Keep going. But it's incredible. Like, his his following, I guess. Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) Um, So we go to the studio and, you know, and I'm like, just do me a favor, please, as soon as the camera comes on. Because obviously to protect themselves and not want to get in trouble, a lot of people would say something in front of the camera. But once the camera's off. I have to tell you, Er Eric and I were, like, constantly worried about your guys' safety. (laughs) Like, we talked about it openly. How concerned. You would tell us stories. We were just like, oh, my God. I was so driven with my point. I kept saying, first of all, I realized some of the dangers of what I was doing once I was in Iran filming and doing this. Because at that time, you know, I was I didn't know anything. I never made a film. and But I kept saying my intention is a good one. I'm mm-hmm. trying to show the good side of these incredible people to the world outside. And that's all that was my focus. And I kept saying, well, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm not mm-hmm. showing Iran in a bad way. I'm not trying to become Americans, like proving something to them. I'm just trying to show something of this culture, of this generation that people need to see. So I think I just had my, my vision with that. And mm-hmm. knowing what I know now, I wonder if I would go back and do it again the way I did because I was such a novice. I was well, so... It's, just, it, it's, it's so offensive to me personally that you feel like you need to show the good side of what is because, one of the cultural because, touchstones in the entire history of humankind it, it, because yeah. of a horrible government. And this is, look, I, I cannot Because defend. we lived through so much. You know what? But this is the connection with Israel defending. too. This is the connection no, with Israel as well. They're not, they're not yes. idiots. No, they're not this. No, they're not yes. bass, you know, ass backwards. Yeah. No, they're not uneducated no they're you know it's like we're constantly in yeah. a way it's almost like we're like trying to overprove ourselves but that's the scary that, thing about america is that most countries that are fucked up around the world it's government based but the people want change and have hope 
in this country, and I talk about this in my podcast when I talk about movies, that's what makes Children of Men such a disturbing movie. It's not just that no one's having children and everyone's killing each other, but that people have given up hope so the government can do whatever they want. And in this country... Trump has been horrible and things are terrible, but people, I honestly still think I have hope, you know, I, I, in the sense of like you watch Mad Max or a movie like that, you know, where people have just given up completely. There is hope. There 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 is is hope hope and people I I think feel it. Yeah. I have full faith in the American people. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I Mm -hmm. grew up in America. I am an American and the America that I know and the America, it's funny because here I was, trying to show the world the good side of Iran. And here I am trying to show the world the good side of America now. It's been interesting that I'm like well, constantly defending one side nobody, or another. Can I ask you about nobody's enemy really quickly, which is that, um, so you make a movie like this, you want to be as objective as possible, you know, reach people, yeah. but be honest and truthful. But how do you balance that with like, what's the calculus of like, here's what I want to say and here's what they are going to hear. You know what, what I mean? Do you mean? I don't understand. No. In, in, in terms of pu- putting a message out there, is it just like this is this is my view? This is my documentary. Take take it I mean, what if you, you will. If you're authentic, if you're mm-hmm. authentic, I showed exactly. It's my view. The documentary is usually the view of the person who's documenting what they see or what they have. You know, here's my message. This was my message, and and I'll tell you something. The message, what I wanted to show completely, and I'm sure a lot of other people that do this. You know, they were working films or projects or entertainment, mm-hmm. documentaries, whatever. What I had in mind mm-hmm. and what came out as a result were two different things. I had to go on the inside. Like, I didn't think I was going to meet Yas. And let me go back to Yas for a second yes. to say that I, I went into the studio and I met this, this young guy who started to, you know, we started talking and he was so... He was so free the way he spoke. He wasn't hiding who he was in front of the camera and behind the camera was the same person. He had a lot to say and he was young. Uh, at that time, he was in his early 20s and it was just, you know, we he were had shocked experience. that you guys even dealt with us, to be honest with you. <laughs> we were like, it was really? You're, wow. No, like, it was, that was, no, that was like was, one of the greatest the compliments we ever had. I know we didn't do like a ton of like specific, you know, huge projects, but like it's just like that you guys would talk with us. Like that was. I, I'm just being totally honest here. Like that was one of the, like, you know, Shane Kuti, we, we Yaz, there was a handful of like, okay, maybe we're doing things the right way here. If these people are at least talking to us. No, it's not. Well, well it, it was mutual because at the same time, a lot of people in Iran were saying, I can't believe they're even interested in our stories. So it was actually, it was, it was quite a collaboration. It was a mutual respect from both sides that you're like, I can't believe that you would talk to us. And they're saying, I can't believe they would want to listen. So it was actually, it was actually the message of what I wanted to do was to bring these two cultures together and show that the people at the end of the day, which is what I've constantly been doing since then, yeah. since 2005, since my literally my whole life uh, direction change was bringing people together through art and culture. I meet him. Mm-hmm. I go to the studio and who he is, is he's just very authentic and being himself. And I like them. I was like, oh my God, thank God. Finally, somebody who's just being so honest in front of the camera, mm-hmm. speaking about some of the social cultural issues within his society. And, and then it's like, there was time to listen to music. I was like, oh shit, bummer. Now we're going to have to listen to his music and it's going to suck. No. You know, we liked him so much. So they it's did like, the lights in the studio. Just to give a vague notion to people who have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. It's, it's more on the rage against the machine side of things, but chiller. I mean, and, and luckily there's enough, there's enough of Yas's music online 
as well as his English translations um, that are out there, that Uh exist out there, that you can understand the power of his lyrics. Yes. So he puts on his music, and we're like, all right, here we go, you know. And all of a sudden, he starts singing his first song, and it was about Bam, which was an earthquake that killed 50,000 people in Iran back, I think, in 2003 or something like that. Was this the story where, like, you thought you that he was going to get invaded in his house for this this track? <laughs> like, uh, no, sorry. Anyways, go, I, don't, go. I don't know which track, because it was a few of them, that <laughs> yeah. we thought that that's what was going to happen with him. Yeah. But so he plays this music, and all of a sudden, by the time the music ends, I had chills. I had goosebumps. I look around, mm. and these like these tough Iranian guys who live there, who are like my camera people. There, they had goosebumps. Some of them were like wiping away tears, and I was like, "Are you kidding me?" And I said this, and it made sense. I said, "Of course, Iranians, Persians, mm-hmm. poetry is in their blood. They grew mm. up. They grew up listening to poetry. They grew up mm. writing poetry from Rumi and Hafez and Sadi and." Some of the biggest poets on the planet started in, you know, are Persians and, and came from that. So even today, when you go buy fruit, it's not uncommon that you'll have a conversation and the conversation ends in poetry. Someone will, you know, incite a poetry from Hafez or Rumi or, yeah. or another poet. Yeah. So it's the norm. And I said, huh, this guy is actually singing Farsi, Persian with american or with with western beats on hip-hop beats Mm -hmm. but in actuality it's his poetry and i said of course it makes sense and the language had such an incredible flow with the beats that it just didn't feel awkward it had such a beautiful flow to it and his words his messages were so powerful that everybody in the room was just like speechless and i turned around and i said he goes yeah i know we just started i said listen I don't know the Persian market and could you have a few more songs to send? He goes, yeah, yeah, we'll send it to you in a couple of days. And hmm. a few days later, they come over and we started listening to some of their music. And I said, look, I've worked in the music business. I've worked with some of the biggest names in music history. Hmm. I mean, in my, for my generation. Hmm. And I said, I don't know the Persian market. I don't know the Iranian market. I don't know anything about this world, but I know a superstar when I see it. Yes. And you have talent. to continue. Exactly. And you have to, there's talent. I say, whatever it is, yep. and I know how difficult it is for you to get your music out. I know you have no support. I know you guys aren't making any money for it. I know no one's supporting you as, and you're like making this incredible impact with your music. I said, but you have to continue. And anything I can do, I'll help. You know, as a friend, as an Iranian, as someone who, who just appreciates your talent, anything I can do, I'll help. So, and and uh-huh. he is now Iran's biggest hip-hop artist yes. they started calling him he was for they started a long calling time him. was he he's he's been and he started out and i started managing him mm-hmm. and you know together we became this team we wound up actually you know getting married uh so uh, 10 gone. years later <laughs> ten, 10 years 10 years later yeah. he turned into a real partnership sure. i mean he was a few years he was a few years younger than me mm-hmm. but but uh we, we were just so connected by message and by life and by views or whatever and 10 years later you know to this day he's mm-hmm. still the biggest you know he's the persian tupac he, he sounds like tupac but he's still mm-hmm. singing i mean he just sent me a new song a couple of days ago that he's going to release uh, in the next couple of weeks mm-hmm. i mean he's just his writing is just getting even more powerful i just he uh, has so much to say i i just, just from a personal standpoint meeting you guys i remember being bowled over by how relaxed both of you were considering the political pressure you're on on both sides oh yeah um yeah. 
and we had we had a lot of pressure. In fact, we are now divorced uh, for about maybe four or five years, but we're friends again. We're we're working together again. We're starting to work together again. It's so beautiful. And Guys, a this is a lesson to humanity. Everyone, why don't you listen to the, what she's talking about right now? You can get if, divorced if and be friends with the enough, people and love them. It's yes. If, go ahead. If I love them enough to marry yes. him and to manage his entire career, yes. then certainly we're you know we can continue the friendship if anything. Yeah. And and also awesome. I mean you know uh, I respect his work. I, I'm still one of his biggest fans musically. I mean when I hear him write the, his lyrics and when I hear the kind of things that he's talking about and the powerful impact that he has. But yeah, it wasn't easy. It hasn't been easy. It's not easy for him. Yeah. He's still considered underground and he's one of the biggest superstars I mean, in the country. Yeah. Can't even walk in the streets and yet he's not allowed to make a penny. I, I, I'll be honest. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm glad that just by sheer circumstance, none of our early artists were like gorgeous young Brazilian singers. <laughs> like, yeah. I, yeah. Honestly, I, I, I was, I, I fall in love with musicians, men and I mean, everybody, you know, and music is the sexiest thing ever. It, it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and you appreciated it. But we're coming from the same side is the thing. Cause you know, a managerial side, talent scouting, et cetera, and, and so forth. And I think that is like a, it's such an important relationship. Uh, important relationship between uh, the artist and the people who not only appreciate it but like can exploit it productively for them you know what i mean um yes 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 so um absolutely but so, i mean that's that's the story with yasin yes. he's still active he's still doing his thing and he still has a lot to say and he's still bringing i mean listen you know he sang a song about rumi and he he sings about bringing people together but at the same time he's singing about all the social cultural issues that he's dealing with and and the people are facing in in iran he's very current um so you know he's he's got a lot more he's got a lot more to go but he turned into this huge um he turned into yas he turned into you know who he is now and uh, it wasn't easy in fact i would say that politics even in a way played a role in our separation because here I was living in America. Mm. He was in Iran. It was difficult for him to come back and stay there. Then he went to Iran. They took away his passport. He couldn't travel out. I couldn't go back in because everyone's worried about what, you problem. know, would I be in trouble? How could I have hope and, with humanity when this shit is going on constantly? You know, it's so as, frustrating. As a result of Ugh. all the separation and time Fuck. and obviously, you know, the influence, you know, shit happened and we just kind of like you know we got distant and then there was like all right there's no marriage and everything just so politics has somehow always played a role in my life whether it was me as a young girl coming to america then it's the iranian you know revolution the iran iraq revolution whether it's politics and me living in america post 9 11 whether it's you know and, and some whether it's my personal life my personal life somehow or another politics has always played so, a role can I, can I run a crazy theory by you sure i think the iranian revolution was the first ever like almost reality tv show staged event on all sides uh if you look at what actually happened in the circumstances, um, I had forgotten that there was like on a daily today is day number two hundred four hundred and forty four Americans. Right. Everyone's yeah. murdering millions of people all over the planet. This is my nine eleven thing is horrifying. Yeah. Two thousand people. Guess what? That was a monthly death toll in Iraq. Uh, yeah. So I just want people to have perspective. You know, everyone's death is horrifying. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I look at, I honestly, as a student of history and someone who literally studied 
Islamic history and, and just history and philosophy and religion in general into the graduate uh, a, a level, I, I, I can't make sense of the hostility between, the, especially from the West towards Iran. I can't make sense of it. The Arab one makes sense. I don't agree with it. I wouldn't do it, but you, you know. The, the Iran one makes absolutely zero sense to me. I think it's jealousy. I think it's cultural. You know, Americans like with Chinese people too. There's like a cultural jealousy that this other great ancient civilization might actually be better than ours in some ways. You know what I mean? I don't know. That's my. It's I I, I always I always refer to it as as. Um what's happening between us and iran it's like mom and dad because i'm iranian i'm also american of course more american if, if i had to because i grew up in america so you know my blood I, I put something the other day i said my blood is my blood is iranian but my mindset and my thinking is american because that's where i grew up but i'm really a you know a combination of both i take the best of both and i take the worst of both i guess and, and i try to teach each side of the other um but what I always say is, like, I see America and Iran as, like, this – I see Iran as this old man, this old, wise man who's been around for thousands of years, who's been through countless invasions, internal, external, who's gone through so much and still has survived throughout the ages. And then I see America as this young stud football player who's got all this young energy and he's like ah, going in and just you know like just hitting it and just going for the win and do it's so i see that, uh, in in reality america and iran as this young and old version so the east other. is mom and the west is dad is that what you're saying that's interesting uh, yes yes and, and which and, i am also, totally in support of because i'm an eastern minor thinker and i love my mom and tend to f- think women women are suited to power both can both can (laughs) learn from each other here's what i'm always saying when i when i'm when i'm mixing and talking about our you know different cultures both Mm -hmm. can learn from each other america has a lot to learn from iran because iran has with withstood countless countless for centuries now you know as an old old ancient uh society country right iran has a lot to show and oh, no, America I think it's, has got this brute. No, more than that. No, no, no. You're, you're underselling. It's, it's you're technology. Underselling it. It's you're modernism. It. It's all of this. And, yeah, and it's more than that. There's a lot that, that both sides. There's a lot that both sides can learn from each other. It's no. You're underselling it. I, I think each continent has like one, two, maybe three locations where like large periods of brilliant history took place. You got Baghdad. You got Tehran. You know. You got a couple places in China. Zimbabwe, Ghana, Mali, you know, I mean, <laughs> Persia is clearly in that, that, that space of like a, a civilization that made it through almost every single age. Uh, That's right. Incredibly productively and beautifully. And the inventor. I, and by the way, the I'm not biased so by much. the fact that I think Persian music is better than Western music, guys. I swear I'm not biased by that fact. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to fight you on this. I'm not going to fight you. Although... Although, again, even that, even that, you go through, you, it's the beauty of both. It's mm. having the beauty of both. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, Iran, I mean, listen. Kehan Kalor is my favorite musician of all time. He's my. He's which my, one? Kehan Kalor. Uh, ah, Kehan Kalor. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's my guy. It? it was, um, what guy. was that documentary channel back in, back in the States? Um, I forgot. I did something with them, and they asked me to help them on this project for Kehan Kalor. And yeah, so I, I remember when they made this documentary on him and his life, and even I was learning some things working on that project with them. But yeah, he's I, there's. You know what? Do you know Hamid Nikpe? Mm-mm. 
if you know him, I'll send you something because he's kind of like, you know, yes, he's please. another version. He's a, he's modern, he's young, but he's also playing, um, you know, traditional music mm-hmm. and he's also a friend and there's a lot, there's so much, there's so much mm-hmm. good music coming out of, coming out of Iran. So, so much that. Now I was yeah, going to ask you about the flow of music these days. I'm really curious your, your, your opinion on this, which is clearly America flooded the rest of the world with pop music for a very long period of time. However, I think the flow is now going multiple directions. Um, and you can hear that, you know, with like Indian sampling and Middle Eastern sampling and just more minor key songs in the West, which never happens. Like you look at the history of American pop music, minor key music other than the Beatles and doesn't really happen. Uh, yes, you hear it yes. more now. Uh, it's clearly influencing the culture. You know what I mean? And it, I think Europeans are having a, a like a, a deja vu about you know, <laughs> when this happened a thousand years ago and a thousand years before that. There's something <laughs> romantic about the music from this side of the world. There's something because, oh, okay. you know, they, music was just a part of life. It was a part of communication through poetry and then the music and then there was a lot of pain there's a lot of pain in in, in whether it's remembering or whether it's over kind of like kind of like an old like the blues oh yeah oh yeah oh persian classical music is like almost unspeakably sad i love it i'm addicted to it it's fantastic because they they because they've always gone to so much turmoil and oppression and depression. There's so there was always a survival. There was always a struggle. There was always a challenge. There was always a we'll get through this. You know, there was always some as soon as something was okay, there was always another invasion or a problem or war or famine or something. So there's a lot of pain. You hear a lot of pain, but also you life, like life lived. And also, it's almost like, you know, they talk about their problems, they talk about their hard, you know, their hardships. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you know, there's something so sweet and romantic and nostalgic, because having gone and said all this stuff, they survived, haven't they? They survived. They've been around for thousands of years. You're about so to make me it. cry. <laughs> Stop. It's true. I'm like, I'm getting choked up with that description. I mean, you know, I love this shit. I... Yeah. I just I don't I don't know how to story. communicate it to people. This is a problem, Netta. This is I, I want to end with you talking about some of your current projects, but I have a couple questions. One of which is I don't know how to communicate this type of thing to people who have no context in anything related to this. You know, I mean, let's talk about education. How about education of adults? Right? I mean, there's everything happens. Everything happens in dialogue. You know, as yeah. long as people are 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 in a monologue, which means that they're all just in their own minds, in their own way of just thinking and bouncing ideas in their own, you know, nothing really comes out. Mm-hmm. But breakthroughs happen. Things are learned only through dialogue. So the fact that you're even having this podcast and talking to people, whether it's 10 people or 10 million, the fact that there are people listening, the fact that people are talking with each other, that's, you know, that's a dialogue because sooner or later this conversation will turn into a dialogue. You may be listening now, but something will come up somewhere along the way and they'll say, oh, I heard that in this podcast or I heard about from my friend this or Mm -hmm. from my friend that. And then it turns into dialogue and that's where the breakthroughs are. So we can only do what we can do. All we can do is just keep talking and keep sharing our own experiences and wish that everybody gets a chance to travel outside their culture and see what's going on in the world. That is the only way. I mean, we can talk till we're blue in the face, 
But until people go and see it and smell it and touch it and sit with people locally mm -hmm. in other lands, nothing will shift. And I think once more people start traveling, and maybe it started a little bit, people are traveling digitally right now through Instagram and Facebook yeah. and all these other apps, you know, we're all taking our little Oh yeah, social media is changing everything. So easily. Yeah. We just go on Insta yeah. and then there's a million things going on. Mm -hmm. So people are slowly, very safely, mentally traveling digitally right now. But if they turn that into, huh, I'd like to go see that place in person now, which now me being here in Turkey, uh, I've had countless of American friends. Another one's coming tomorrow morning. Uh, another one's coming on Thursday. Another one, I had two of them this last week, uh, two other ones two weeks ago. I've had about 26 to 30 American friends who come and visit me in Turkey, in Istanbul, since I've been here. And they have all, you know, some of them was the first time they've come here. They're like, we had no idea. And they shifted. They shifted about what they thought about Turkey. They shifted about what they thought about the region. They shifted about what, you know, whether it's Muslims or Arabs or this or Christians or Jews. It shifts people. You cannot I just, not grow. I like I like smart cultures. I think our culture is dumb. I think this is a dumb culture. It's a culture that embraces stupidity specifically. Well, that's because it. the media the media is pushing stupidity throughout the. I, know, I, I, but 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 yes, I'll say this. I got. I'm not going to blame the media. I'm going to blame the American people. I'm going to blame the 40 percent who say they support Trump. That's that's who I'm blaming. I'm not going to fully. But blame I got to say something. I got. There's nothing more inspiring and more beautiful than a smart intellectual American. When you see an American go anywhere, who's mm -hmm. traveled, who's into, or just anybody, not just an American, but there's so many smart, there's so many Americans not, that are, yeah. either they're intellectual. No, that's an excellent point. Yeah, no, no, that's I gotta say point. something. Either they're no. so intellectual, they're so well-traveled and educated that it's a breath of fresh air when they go and represent America around the world, or they have such heart. Can you give a tip? I mean, Can you give white man? I'm going to give a white, white man tip. White man, white man out there, you go overseas, non-white people, admit that you're dumb and just be cool and humble and everything will work out great. That's my tip. White people out listen, there. Listen, the minute they, the minute they, they buy a trip, <laughs> they buy a ticket and go out of the country, uh -huh. right away you can, they, can, they can no longer be dumb because they're taking a step towards some kind of growth. Call it a holiday. Call it a you're going to go out and you know, just go and you're going to get, you know, you're going to get drunk, going to go out, you're going to go to the beach, you do whatever you want. But the fact that you just got to step out of your culture to another culture, and I don't mean just going from U.S. to Mexico, you know, right in your border, get out of the culture, go somewhere far away. And the fact that they make that point to travel out of their co comfort zone or, you know, mm -hmm. out of their country mm -hmm. right away, you can't call that dumb. Because because they've because they've they've woken up to something new, I can't say I don't want to say they're dumb. I mean, there's plenty of. I'm dumb. not saying they're dumb. It's just that there's some people are empathic and there. some people aren't. There's, like there's dumb people around the whole world. There's enough dumb people I've I mean, met look, in Iran. There's enough dumb people I've met in Turkey Neda, in America. I, I lived with a dirt poor uh, Botswana. Uh, farm family when I was studying abroad in 2003 they got paid but like they did not have to do what they did and I responded in kind and literally we're still in touch like <laughs> the entire extended family 15 years later you know just because I opened myself up to it is being like I, I, I don't right. know the right way to do things and uh, that's what I th I, most Americans go abroad and I'm not saying no. Some most people go abroad in the situation. It's hard to open yourself up to that. You know what I mean? It's 
I don't know. America, America hasn't. America is free to do what they want. The people are free to do what they want. They haven't really, outside of just some European little quick French or Italian getaway, the average American doesn't go outside of that. Um, they haven't been taught. It hasn't been. It hasn't been yeah. focused on. It hasn't been brought to spotlight. But I'll say this. I mean, I'm hopeful because out of 330 million Americans. No, I mean, a lot of them are typical, you know, dumb American that travels or dumb American that has this mindset in it. There's a lot of that. But for every, I'm, I'm really, I mean this, from what I've seen, for every one dumb American that embarrasses your way of thinking or embarrasses you overseas or even in the country, there's a hundred that are incredible. They're either so intellectual or they're so filled with I, such that's a the pure problem. heart. That's the, so, no, but that's the problem. Heart. It's hopeful, but, but listen, that's also the problem. Yeah. No, no, no. There's no problem. There's no problem. I don't see a problem. No, that. no, the problem's not here. The problem is everywhere else. I mean. <laughs> what do you mean? If you're just a random immigrant, you get dropped. You can choose between America or Central and Eastern Europe. You still choose America. What I'm saying is the standard is so low. You know, the bar is being set so low that you know fascist well, governments is, is, being elected in in Europe is being completely ignored because America is America. Well, this is this is where the danger zone is. The danger zone is that right now there's still plenty the majority of americans are good people they're smart people they're full of heart they're kind they're intellectual the danger is that if you allow the other side to be the leader and to take over then the dumber you are the more it works out for them mm -hmm. so they will try and do whatever they can to dumbify this country and that's what we're trying to fight and that's where you know that's where the danger is because an educated an uneducated untraveled uh, unintellectual. I mean, I, I just don't want to say intellectual, but I mean, some you know, uh, a, a country that's not awake. A country that's not awake is a dangerous place. And so it's funny in a place like Iran, you know, a lot of times the government tried to dumb them down, and as a result, they it backfired because they went so against the government. Many people internally turned themselves into doing whatever they can to learn, to progress, to show. You know, they did the exact yeah. opposite. <laughs> The Islamic you know, government actively trying to erase the past of Iran was a bad call. Was a bad idea. <laughs> was a bad idea. A really and, bad and call. In fact, almost really everything they call. tried to do, almost everything they tried to do, backfired. And in a way, I think eventually for the progress of Iran and the Iranian people, mm -hmm. I think it's great because they've learned things and they've progressed and they've done things that would have never probably happened if it wasn't for this, mm -hmm. this regime. Well, but as a result, things, yeah. things will happen in the future that will uh -huh. never happen again as a, as a result of their lessons. <laughs> and the same thing in America. I mean, yeah. listen, you'll be, you'll be happy to know that as an American Jew with Israeli family, I'm actually extremely optimistic about the future of Iranian relations, <laughs> to be honest Good. with you. Good. Because yeah. they're both, you know, we're based on like Greek, Roman, right? Ancient philosophy. It, it, it comes from the same source, ultimately, if smart people are in charge. Like, let's put it this way. If like the Elon Musks and both sides were in charge, or, you know, people like that, like, 
I think the common ground would be established pretty What's quickly. going on with Elon Musk? Let's talk about that for a second. What's going on? He's just being, By the a, way, he's he's being a human being. I love it. That's the thing. That's the, this, is the, this is the privacy thing, I right? Just, I just read something. I just read something yesterday that he was supposed to do a deal with these brand new buses or trucks or something, and apparently they canceled it because uh, – they saw that he was he did an interview smoking pot, so apparently he lost that contract as a result of it. Here I mean, in if you don't, Steve Jobs has specifically written and had other people written about his experience on LSD informing his life. I, I, like you just have to be dumb to think that's not happening. And so I appreciate yeah. the honesty. This goes back to the the celebrity thing we talked about in the beginning. This might be a way to tie it up. And uh, I do want to hear about some of your current projects. But just I have the big issue stuff. You know what I mean? It's like, well, we know, we're living in the post-NSA future, right? So we have no privacy. So let's just be honest, I think, right? It's just the base... <laughs> This human reaction hopefully, to everything. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, honestly, will become the new cool. People have to. You know, yeah. Because old white so. men are getting so. wrecked been, right now for lack we've of been, honesty. Exactly. <laughs> we've, been, we've been bullshitted so much. Yeah. And we've been so, yeah. you know, hyper-advertised, hyper-bullshitted, hyper-PC so much that anything that, that looks even, you know, remotely honest mm. is coming across as um, – you know, shocking or it's coming across as unethical or whatever. It's like, let people be honest. And it's been such a long time that we don't even know how to recognize it and how to deal with honesty anymore. All right. So one big, I have one last, a big, uh, <laughs> philosophical idea to run by you having to do with, with women. And then I want to hear about some of your current projects and we'll, we'll finish on that if that sounds okay. Sure. Okay. Final big issue. There is only one, oppressed majority in the world and that is women how do you feel about that excuse me we're gonna we're gonna crush that statistic but meaning i I believe the one commonality between almost all cultures is oppression of women like at best equality never superiority i blame the woman for that (laughs) in every case really I blame the woman. Wow. The reason why we are oppressed, the reason if if leadership, if if women are oppressed, that uh-huh. means that men are in the place of leaderships. If women raise better men, we wouldn't have this problem. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the, I, like I the longer their, view. Okay, I I put the responsibility on. on well, no, you're women. winning. You I, are winning. I mean, it's it, it is inevitable. It, it's definitely moving towards that. And I talk about this. I, I joke that about. I make a living talking about like. Princess Leia and Jyn Erso and characters like that because I, <laughs> I, I think they are revolutionary. Like there are very few women who are like or aspire to be like Princess Leia in terms of what she actually accomplishes in the world: military leader, spiritual leader, leader, political leader, a military leader, emotional leader. You know what I mean? Inspirational leader. Like the, the, that's a thing. You know what I mean? Like that that shouldn't even be a thing, but it is still a thing. Um, I mean, look at what's happening with the Me Too movement in America. It's like, you know, it's they're forcing legally forcing men to look at women, not just as sex, mm-hmm. you know, sex objects. They're legally forcing men to 
be respectful. But to, this is the bigger you know, problem, Neta. The bigger problem is not the skeevy dudes who are the minority and are horrible human beings. It's that most dudes are just insensitive assholes. And there's no getting around that, you know? Like, they're not abusing anybody, but, like, dudes are just not... I gotta tell you, yeah. I go back to this. If a, if a dude if a dude is an insensitive asshole, <sighs> I always say, I want to know who your mother was. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Because, because I've seen amazing mothers... <laughs> Who raise incredible men. Yep. So when yep. I see a man who's well-rounded, respectful, powerful, mm-hmm. the man that he is, mm-hmm. which, you know, I, I hate that whole, you know, yep. uh, I'm all about women's liberation and women's equality, but I hate trying to overpower and overbid the men. It's not about that. There are certain things women are no, better. and that's than. how women are going to win for the, exactly that. And it, that's the whole point. You know, the real, the, that's the way women that. operate, and that's why women are superior. That's, that, you just certain, nailed it. You just su- not summed all women. it up. Not all women. No, so my, okay, so my theory is 60-40, like, in power. Like, I think 60% should be women in power and 40% men in power. Obviously, you have an adjustment in the middle with different There's, gender yeah, identities listen, and there, so there really is. Yeah. There really is something to genetics. I mean, you know, men are, I mean, look at, look at children. Look at, you know, yes. If Women, women are less power, likely to be would, selfish would and corrupt. Be, it's just, it's scientifically be, proven. Would they be more, would they be more selfish? Would mm-hmm. they be more corrupt? Would they, would right. there be less war? Which is why I, I took so. great offense to all the men in both the left and right who heaped their uh, fears of corruption on Hillary Clinton for exactly this reason. Oh, well, we got a long way to go. We got a long way to go. And it may be generations before we reach that that level it's true because, but i say that you again, know what if michelle obama ran for president tomorrow she would not even have to campaign she would win in instantaneously i think so too yeah i think so too the, that but she would that's only the case because she's so honest and real that she could never be president you know like that's the problem well hopefully that'll change hopefully hopefully you know new yeah. generations will will want to walk away from the bullshit. No, and, they you know, are. Well, it's on a hopeful note. I think you and I agree that the younger generation is headed in the right direction. I think so, too. I yeah. mean, the older generations, I mean, we eat lies for breakfast. You know, we're so used to hearing bullshit. <laughs> yeah. We're so used to hearing bullshit, and we're so used to hearing lies that if anything doesn't sound like that, everyone's like, eh, what happened? But this new generation is like, no, this is lie. This is bullshit. I don't want this kind of breakfast. You know, so I have, I have hope. I do have hope. And, that's and what I you, also have yeah. hope because because all these this new generations from different points of the world are connecting with each other. The Jews, the Israelis, the Iranians, the Persians, the Turks, the Americans, the European. These generations outside of everyone's right now in power, doing mm-hmm. their power plays, making their money, doing their this, being corrupting, whatever, messing up the whole world. While all this is going on, the younger generations are interconnecting with each other through fun at first. Fuck the younger like generations. Look at us. Look at you and me. Well, we're, just we're here doing it. Yeah. We did it. No, but the, <laughs> the, the brilliant thing about it, it was uh, neither me, Eric, you, or, or Yaz I'm an old, I'm an ever older questioned it on any l- significant level. It was just business, you know? It was like, we think you're cool. We think you're cool. You know what I mean? There was, but, but, but most people have that hang up is the thing. You know what I mean? Like, for me, I'm just There's like, that hope. music is dope. <laughs> you know, like. There's hope. There's hope. Listen, even if it's small steps, people connecting with each other Absolutely. through music, through friendship, through even if it's, you know, 
God, back in the day, in like our parents or grandparents' age, you know, we had like pen pals. Now mm-hmm. we've got Instagrams where people are meeting friends and becoming friends and, and literally visiting each other through, through all these, you know, through technology. So it, it's at a faster rate. I have hope. I have hope. But I'm, just, expect- I'm just being bitter because I want to live in Toronto. Like if I wanted to want to live in Toronto, which is maybe, you know, like I want that option. And the fact that I don't have that option yeah. just angers me. You know, or, yeah. or, well, I mean, Turkey is very doable as you are doing, and I am very jealous because I love Turkey. I, I, I have fallen in love with Turkey. I mean, listen, no place is perfect, but. It's the cradle of civilization. It is it literally the cradle it of civilization. It literally yeah. is. Yeah. It's a magical. I mean, yeah. all I can say, if I could, if I could put Turkey in one word, yeah. I would say magical. Mm-hmm. It's magical. There's something magical about this place. It is. The best and worst of everything combined, but it is—it's it's this magical place. You've got them. For me, it's a combination of Iran, it's Middle East, it's Europe, it's America, it's everything mixed in one place. You go to certain parts and you don't know the difference whether you're sitting in America or not. And then all of a sudden, you go to another street and you see these old ruins, and you know from from the Ottoman Empire, that just you know literally is in the middle of the street, in the middle of the city center that they just didn't touch so you like you can't miss but all of a sudden you're driving and you're back into the ottoman empire the days of the sultans and this happened and then you go across the street and you see gucci and you got like you know it looks like something out of like fifth starbucks. avenue madison avenue uh-huh. in in new york city starbucks, and then you'll turn yeah. the street or starbucks <laughs> and then you turn the street mm-hmm. and you got all these like cobblestone like right. small little well, tiny that's, streets, right. that's european street that looks like old italy like this old roman you know ruins mm-hmm. and I mean, it's the perfect combination, and the mentality matches. You got old and modern, you got fresh, you got new, you got east, you got west, you got everything. You literally, I'm sitting in my home on the European side, looking at the Bosphorus. Across I'm from so me jealous. is the Asian side. <laughs> Damn it, I'm so jealous. You just have to come visit. You just have <sighs> to come visit. But, but uh, for me, where I am in life, yeah. I've I found as long mm-hmm. as they're, they'll have me as a guest, yeah. I have found a perfect host for where I am in this stage of my life. You know, will it be here all the time? I don't know. You know, I don't I don't want to. It's it's a good thing about me and it's a bad thing about me. I hate routines. So, right. you know, the, on the negative side, it could be, you know, I, I to be able to put a root down and, and build this tree and plant this tree and become this one rooted place would be probably healthy in one form, you know, one form. But there's a side of me that I cannot live in a monotonous routine what was it like? I just uh, saw something. It's like, I don't want to have the same exact year for 75 years and call it a life. I saw this saying somewhere and I was mm-hmm. so right. I don't want to be that person mm-hmm. that just planted myself in one place. And you are you know, not that person. Like you do not have to some live in fear love, of some that. Some people need that. Some <laughs> yeah. people need that in order to feel safe and comfortable. Sure. I'm the opposite. Right. I need to. Well, you need the means so- and the confidence. And most people lack one of the two, at least. You know what I mean? That's the problem. Yeah. When I came to Turkey, uh, four years ago, when I came to Turkey, I had never been here before. So I just literally packed up my bags mm-hmm. and uh, with five suitcases came here for what I thought would be a you know summer summer stay, mm-hmm. and it turned into longer, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I'd never been here. I never knew you know I didn't know anybody here. I didn't know the language. I didn't know the culture. I didn't know anything. Nobody knows the language. <laughs> I went on Booking dot com and I just put yeah exactly. Do you speak Turkish now? 
enough to fight with the taxi drivers. Wow, I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt I, you. I just I really realized, wanted to know the I answer to that question. I learned a little bit when I got into an argument with a taxi yeah. driver, which happens often with me here. Yeah. But, oh, yeah. but I know some words. It's, it's a very that, it's key. Language. No, that's absolutely key. But I almost got myself shot by an Israeli cab driver once because I called him out on ripping us off, and he... I thought he was going to shoot us. So I was like, maybe yeah, I shouldn't absolutely. have understood what he was saying. Yeah, yeah. I had, I had, I had a couple of close calls too. This time. Like, shut up. How like, dare you no, understand me? Right. Yeah. No, it's, you know, it's not about the money. It's just what's right. Right. It's, 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 it's what's right. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. So now it's like every time I see it happening to other people, I'm like, mm-hmm. ah, you know, we've all been there, gone through it. <laughs> But it's a it's a beautiful country, beautiful people. Um, I love Turkish music Iranians, too. Spoiler alert, Iranians guys! I like Middle Eastern it. music, Arab music. I like Persian music and Turkish music. Big spoiler Turkish alert! Turkish music is beautiful. <laughs> so it's very it's very romantic. It's yes. very romantic. Yeah. It's it's a. I mean, listen, music music. If it's good music, it doesn't matter what I language mean, it if is. If you listen to people who try and simulate Greek music from like two thousand years ago, it basically sounds like Turkish music. I mean, it's base that meant the yeah. It comes from the, the, the Middle Eastern basin two thousand years ago. I mean, there was a shared musical cu- culture. Clearly, um, music music doesn't have a language. Music speaks to the heart, and the heart recognizes something. Right, but I think the, Tur- the Turks. Per- uh, um, uh, preserved it in a way nobody else did. I mean, the Greeks so- have somewhat, but the Turks especially have preserved that sound. I think is is a beautiful thing. Um, they let me tell you something. They have the the Turks here. They have a love for life that I I really. I mean, that's the first thing that stood out for me was I couldn't believe this culture has such a life a love for. Listen, they all have their problems. They all have their. They're, you know, complaints. Really? It's noticeably different than Iran? I wouldn't have expected that. You know, noticeably different. Yeah. Iran is Iran is, is, is <laughs> operating out of suffering. Well, it's because... Iran is going the, through so much suffering right, right well, now. Well, Iran know? is in total government control, and Turkey has no control over their country, which is causing other types of problems. But it's not government control, I guess, right? Yeah. It's, I mean, listen, the government, the, the government of the countries are in control, period. But yeah. who the people are, I mean, listen, Iran right now is going through so much problems mm-hmm. internally, externally, what's happening. I mean, it's just, I, I, it's, we could go on for hours on just that conversation. They're suffering. The people are suffering as a result of bad politics on, on all sides. And it's, it's really trickling down to them. And it's horrible to see it and to see the quality of life and what's happening in the country. And all I can Im- imagine and all I can wish for is that it'll get better, that it can't stay like this. Um, the mentality, though, I mean, the Iranians, because of all the mm-hmm. problems and, and suffering and all these, you know, stuff, heavy, heavy, heaviness that's been going on, they love life. They're extremely, I think, probably Iranians which they're known for culturally in the world. They're known as probably one of the most hospitable um, countries or people in the world. And anyone, any foreigner who's ever oh, yeah. visited Iran oh, can yeah. attest. You can travel anywhere Or even anywhere knows anyone who's like Iranian or his parents are immigrants or whatever. You, if, yeah. any, if, if anyone is a traveler or if any Americans or, or foreigners or whoever mm-hmm. who's traveled to Iran will say, there's no country, I haven't met any people anywhere in the world that's as hospitable Mm -hmm. and as guest friendly as Iranians. So that is something that no one else has come close to that I've seen so far. Um, The Turks, they're what I see with them, um, the love of life. 
they have this mentality. They call it Hayat Kiza, which means life is short. And this That's the Mediterranean thing. Short. There's something in the Mediterranean air. Spaniards, Southern French, Israelis, North, like Moroccans, like yes. there's something in the Mediterranean air. It just it, it, it spreads among all those cultures. It's crazy. It's it's, it's beautiful. This, I love it. I personally short. love it. It's beautiful. It's <laughs> yeah. life is short. I now, love I Mediterranean. Here. Don't get me started. I live anywhere in the Mediterranean tomorrow if I could if I could pull it off in a realistic way. I mean, I you it's it's midnight. It's one o'clock in the morning, and you just see people like just sitting out, like having a cup of tea together, just talking. It's awesome. You know, sitting outside and. If I've never seen in Turkey, I have never seen so many outdoor places, outdoor cafes and restaurants in the middle of winter in Istanbul in a snowstorm. People are still sitting in an outdoor cafe with heat lamps, but they got to be in their outdoor cafes. I mean, they just have this life is short mentality. They have this this love. I mean, you don't you don't see Turks don't stick around at home. Americans, everyone's like, most of us have turned into a bunch of like couch potatoes or we go to work business. We come home. Maybe we'll go to a restaurant. I mean, just have this routine lifestyle back and forth. You're on your couch, you go to work, you come home, you're watching your television, you're on your couch, you come home, you take a shower, you go maybe go to the gym, maybe go to a restaurant. That, for the Turks, to see a Turk sitting at home mm-hmm. is an oddity. Yes. And, well, well, this is you know, this is my thing about there's Spain. There's times when I'm sitting at, yeah. there's times no, when I'm sitting exactly. at home, I was like, honey, yeah. I can't go out again with yeah. you guys. And it's not about just going out and partying. Yeah. No, this is, just, no, people ask don't me, go out. they're like, why didn't the, Spain, the Spanish economy uh, collapse more than it was supposed to? Because 25% of the country works in the service industry because people are out yeah. all the time. And so there is a built-in economy that is always going to happen because they, must, they need it for their culture. These, uh, these people, these, yeah. these Turks, they just don't sit at home. Yeah. They're always out. Isn't so, that weird I mean, how that's like a buffer against like total poverty though? Because it's like it's it's interesting. Even if it's for yeah. for even if it's for like fifty cents, you need to sit there and have your cup of tea or coffee because they're social. They're mm-hmm. social people. They mm-hmm. need to socialize. They need to sit and talk. And even the men. And it's so funny. You see these groups of men always hanging out, whether they're playing cards or playing backgammon or just talking. Even the men sit together mm-hmm. and gossip, which is hilarious. You know, <laughs> uh, they call it they call gossiping daddy could do here. So you see these like five guys like sitting there, like having their cigarettes or smoking or drinking tea or was that like or coffee stalking or someone's Instagram account? Like what are they talking? No, about? no, they're just you know they're just they're just like a bunch of you know people. People that just sit mm-hmm. there and talk about their friends and gossiping and families or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the women have their groups, the men have their groups, then they, but they all socialize, they'll go out to their cafes, they all go I mean, there's this constant movement. This is what I love about Turkey. It's moving. It's constantly moving, but not rushing. Ha. Huh. I just made that realization but for do myself. You, do you something think there's beautiful. something to my I need theory to make a note of that. that there's something there's literally in the air in the Mediterranean? Because yes, I've I been do. on many parts of the Mediterranean, felt and smelled it every place I've been. I could be crazy. I don't have a cultural attachment to places like Spain, you know? Like, no, the so, colors are different. Yeah. I still, I've seen plenty of sunrises and sunsets oh. all around the world. Oh. But this region, mm-hmm. the color of the sky, the changing of the color of the sky changes in this mm-hmm. region in the mediterranean in the middle east and there's something i, I, I keep going back to this word because i don't have another word there's something magical it in magical. fact it is in fact yep. in fact as a result of this uh living here and having the experience that i have and being from the background of entertainment i actually just finished writing a film script that is to be taken place in istanbul and You're because gone. i realize i realize that so little 
uh, of the world. So many people, especially Americans, you know, Turkey is the number five world tourism destination in the world, number five. And out of those five, That's you know, they had a couple of bad years because of politics and what happened here. Mm. Out of that, so it's an average of, let's say, 40 million visitors a year. If yeah. they have 40 million, out of the 40 million, only 1 million Americans came to visit. So out of 330 million Americans, because they don't really go further. Well, the bombings the don't help is the problem. The bombings no, do not but, help. but that's not. That, I mean, no, it doesn't bother not. me because, um, again, Israel, I've been through it. But most Americans, I think, are scared shitless by that. Yeah, but yeah, France but, and know, England has also, bombings, too, and they ignore that. The, so it's bullshit. Yeah, it's also the PR. We have plenty oh, of yeah, bombings. It's we, yeah. we had just France as much has bombings, bombings all the America. time. People go to France. No one even thinks There's twice more, about going to France. Yeah. There's more shootings and bombings and things going on also. Exactly. Wait, are you saying gun violence in America is actually the biggest problem? Wow. No, no, (laughs) no, not I. Yes, people. Uh, Yes, that is the problem. You know know that China, what was it, China that that put an alert? Was Uh it China or was it Germany? I forgot which one. What? They put an alert, be careful going to, I think it was China. Be careful going to America America for gun violence. (laughs) There was a travel alert on going to America due to gun violence. Oh, man, God. that was a that was an eye opener. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. The so world your movie, is so your movie. We'll we'll we'll, we'll, so we'll finish with that. You got You got to tell me about this. It's really juicy. It is a serial comedy, which is you know, it's a it's a social cultural mm-hmm. but funny movie, basically with a little bit of Go romance on. touch to it. Yes. But my intention was to really show the turkey that I see. You know, the minute you tell anybody about turkey if they know anything they'll remember a movie called midnight express which mm. was just showed everything it was like a, the worst part of turkey there was like this drug dealer gets stuck and he goes into a turkish jail and the shit that happens to him and, and it's funny to see how foreigners or americans are like oh my god be careful of turkey you know bombs this this that or you remember midnight express that movie's from like this 30 30 living. 30 40 this is exactly why i hate living here like you know, that smart people would ever think that it, it's 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 boggling of the mind. That's like 20, 30 years ago. This movie yeah. came out and the image of that movie has stayed in people to say, oh, be careful. Don't forget about the Turkish you know, police or whatever. And I just sit here. I was like, holy shit. These people have no I didn't know. I didn't know about Turkey until I physically came here and I saw mm. and across all my travels, I am Iranian. I am American. I lived in America my entire life, but I've never felt this kind of beautiful comfort as I felt at this stage of my life in Turkey. I never thought I would say that. You're living the dream. I'm I'm so happy for you. That's awesome. I'm not a Turk. I mean, I I have no background connection. Yes, it's close uh, to Iran. Technically, technically, madam, the Persian stock of Central Asia and the Turkish stock of Central Asia are quite close compared to the Arabs and the Greeks. So, actually quite related, but that should make zero difference on your judgment of the situation. (laughs) That's true. That's true. That's true. Point taken. Yeah. But honestly, it's like it's it's um, it's a magical destination. All my friends who've visited here for the first time, they all said they swore yeah. to themselves that from now on, this is the place they want to come and visit. And they've been a good host to me during the last four years that I've been here. And I said, look, my work is entertainment. What can I do? There's two things that I could do that I did. One of them was this project I just worked on, which I'll tell you about. Yes. But also, mm-hmm. also, it's about... Uh, I wrote a film, and I wrote a film in a very funny way. Give it to way, me. I'm dying to hear about it. Give it. Give it to me. It's what would oh, happen. Sorry. All I'm. All Kicking I can say is this: something. what What would happen mm-hmm. if an American family, mm-hmm. an Iranian family, mm-hmm. 
and an Arab family all wind up in Istanbul together at the same time due to different circumstances. Hopefully they would just get drunk and have a good time, right? (laughs) And and they all meet, and they all meet and become fast friends. Then then crazy things happen. (laughs) Then crazy things happen. Fast friends become fast enemies. No, that's not me. I never have crazy things. (laughs) And then at the end, and then at the end, you know, they're back to friends again. But there's a, it's a, it's a really, it's a funny. But are they like traditional conservative families or like? Just we it, it's gonna be it's gonna be hitting on all subjects, okay. but the the but the film is just basically it's gonna be mm-hmm. just like a, it's a comedy. It's got a romantic uh, twist in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a romantic story, but it's also my ode to this country and the beauty that I've seen. And I my intention is to a bring cultures together for all of us to realize how stupid all of our fighting is, and we're talking about all of our different you know uh, difficult. Um, differences versus who we are and how similar we are as people regardless and from different parts of the world we all come together and when we sit down at a table and talk basically at the end of the day humanity wins and this is what we haven't talked about lately and in the back setting the backdrop of this gorgeous beautiful stunning uh, postcard mm. place of Istanbul and, and other parts of Turkey, which is going to be shown in the film. And I think it's also going to be a great help towards their tourism and it's my intention is to make this film show some you know talk about some important points about our different cultures in a funny way in a very you know funny and safe environment in a comic because I, I you know i i like to hope that i have a good sense of humor and i want to show that in the uh, in the film and also you know bring people to this country let them come and see what this place is about and and see the beauty i've seen because you know because life is short because sooner or later we're one day we're not going to be around and you should you should see the magic place, some of the magical places in this world. And for me today, right now, it's Istanbul, it's Turkey, you know. And I like to wherever I am to do a little something. I did something for my birth country. I've contributed and been part of the fabric of America. Mm-hmm. I'm now trying to do something good. For you this don't owe us country. anything. <laughs> don't worry. I, I owe a lot to America. I yeah. owe a lot. To no, America. I appreciate. America. I appreciate that. Yeah, but, it's it's yeah. in my fabric, and yeah. and the least I could do is mm-hmm. spread all those great, incredible things that I learned mm-hmm. from the American culture, and you know, from who I am. No, that's real. Spread that's that. Real. I, I respect that. You know. Yeah. And then, uh, and then, as as a part of being here, I wound up actually being in the background of, of course, music and man- management. I wound up uh, meeting um, this huge Turkish diva superstar. Yes. Her name is yes. Hande Yener. Uh-huh. Hande. Yeah, go go go. And Hande is fantastic, and she's just you know she's the real deal. She's she's like the she's like. I don't know what can I say. She's like um, the J Lo mixed with Gaga mixed yeah. with. Yeah, you she's, know, about, you, she's you like J Lo. Yeah, I see that. Yeah, she's you know she's the she's one of the most uh, successful pop singers yeah. here. I mean, all her music. I love J Lo for the record. People top out there. charts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all her music. It's funny because before I met before yeah. I met Hande. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that some of the music, the first summer that I came here, yeah. um, we were listening to all the music in the car driving around. And I realized one by one, every yeah. single hit number one song that I heard that I love was Hondes. So I had an opportunity to meet her and through a mutual friend, my friend Emre, and uh, we met. And she was thinking about doing a song in English. And I thought it was a fantastic idea. And mm. I basically uh, worked with Hande and I created um, this collaboration between my 
folks in America and my folks, um, uh-huh. this production producers team in UK. Uh-huh. And uh, she sang a song called Love Always Wins, which is also a very positive, strong message about love and unity across the world. And she wanted to sing it in English to kind of get the message out in a language that other people will hear. And also, why not? Why not? Do something that that other people will understand. Wait. And she wanted to. She's always pushing that, the envelope. Was that the Eurovision song? Uh, no, no, no. It's a it's a song. It's called "Love Always Wins." I mean, oh. I definitely suggest you guys go listen to it. It's on the internet. Yeah, no, Check that'll be name. that'll be in the post for sure. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Listen to it. And um, I mean, it just came out about a week ago. So there's a, a whole bunch of different uh, versions of the song that's going to be coming out, different remixes of it. And it's her message of, one, trying to do something new. As an artist, you're always trying to grow. As an artist, you're always trying to push and, and try to do something you haven't done before. Sometimes it's successful. Sometimes it's not successful. But you're only a powerful artist when you take those kind of risks. So for her, singing, becoming so you know famous as you are, do something in a new language, which is not even your first language. It's not a language you grew up in. To do it, I think I kind of really, I was impressed by her. And uh, I love the fact that she's looking into doing something like that. I love the fact that I was able to work on this project with her. And uh, we made a great music video with it. Uh, it was a total collaboration because we had people from the team who were Iranian. There were Turks. There were Americans. There were Brits. I mean, this she, is an intern. This is an international she like Lady collaboration. Gaga? She's like fucking Lady Gaga. What the? This is crazy. She's, yeah, it's amazing. She's constantly wow. reinventing huh. herself. I mean, she, and this she's fabulous. So cool. I mean, Hyundai's yeah. had Hyundai has become a good friend. Well, you you said pre-show. I'll share with the Bizzlecast listeners. I, I believe I will be able to play some of this music within the podcast, which would be amazing. Amazing. with your blessing absolutely play on because love so, always wins but but just a little behind the scenes of like giving away personal stories but i you would agree with me that you know i think people who don't know anything about the music business and they think about like the pop music business like all this you know slimy managers and blah blah blah, blah, blah. but like in real music you have to form a real relationship with the person before it happens right i mean that sure. that comes first and i don't think people appreciate that necessarily i mean the artists appreciate it you know what i mean right, but people on the right, outside right. don't necessarily appreciate it yeah you have to you have to like the people you're working with oh yeah you know and and when you're and dealing in them, a platform yeah. and yeah. respect them when yeah. you're dealing in a platform mm. that is truly you know based on and sits on feelings you know, you're singing a song, there's feelings in there. Mm-hmm. There's emotions in there. There's mm-hmm. the person's characters coming out through their music. You have to like the people you're working with. Mm-hmm. And when you're, if you're dealing with things as, as, as uh, emotional as music or entertainment or acting or films, you've got to know the people, who they are. And I've got to be honest with you, in my career th- throughout the years, there were plenty of assholes that I was part of their team. And I resented that part about myself, that as I go older... As I got older, I was like, I don't want to help another asshole make another million dollars. I don't want to be part of that. And but that's also part of growing. You know, at that time, I had no choice. I was working. I needed the money. You were you have a company. You have a boss. You have this. But there comes a time when, at some point, you say, Okay, you know what? I'm learning, and I have learned this process. And if I have a choice, I'll make my money. I'll do my business. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to choose to work with people that I like. I'm going to choose to work with people that I respect. Mm-hmm. And that comes with practice. That comes with age. Uh, and and I can really luckily say that as a result of that, uh, and sometimes, yeah, maybe you take a step backwards when it comes to, you know, money and making money. And sometimes you're standing by, you know, what you believe. And 
you know, you're not selling your soul just with a dollar. But at this point in life, I can actually say that um, I'm uh, fortunate enough, I'm lucky enough to put myself in a position that I'm only going to work with people whose message is good, whose character is good, who their personalities are matched with mine, and whose belief system so that, A, I can really give my all and make it a success, and B, when they do become a success, I'm happy for them because they deserve it. And I want to be part of that. I mean, her, her fashion is fabulous. Um, where do you see women's fashion these days? I mean, do you think women have control at this point of women's fashion? Because it's not always clear to me. Um, I don't know. To be honest, I, that's a tough one. I mean, fashion to me, there's times when I, I love... And I see, you know, trying new things. You think things it's artist to artist? After. Like some artists just have a hold of it and some don't kind of thing? Uh, it you know is. I mean? It I, is. I, I, think, I think it is. I think it is. Of course, you got to have a good team. Yeah. I mean, when you have money, when you have good funding, when you're surrounded by people mm-hmm. who are in a big, successful market and, mm-hmm. you know, the American market, the British market or whatever, it's a successful money-making market. When, when, when there's a market that there's money making, of course, you're going to be having a lot of people that are the best of the best coming forward. So fashion all of a sudden, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's true. I mean, we have people in America who are successful. They've got access to some of the best people around them, the best team, hair, hair, makeup, design, everything. Uh, and they still don't have to, they still don't, they can't hit it. They can't do it. Uh, even with the best teams around them. And then you got some people that, you know, are, are just, visionaries or they just want to be different i just i don't know why for some reason i started thinking about i got this image of bjork in her goose outfit oh, i love you she's so great she's so great i mean you know there's there's oh, those man. people who are like i don't give a damn i'm going mm-hmm. to this award in a goose outfit. yeah no she Literally. has full control yeah she's taking With full the, control of it yeah the head of a goose mm-hmm. is going to be my yeah. outfit you know so it's yep. like you got that as well Hyundai, i am um, honda's fashion she she works with actually i know one of her guys kadir and um, he's got his company called Mean, which is really cool stuff. No, There's a lot is, of good stuff. It's happening. amazing, guys. You can do an image search. I mean, that, I, I, the Lady Gaga thing was for real. Like her, the number of like looks she's trying to pull off is crazy. And it's and it's you know so, and this is Turkey, so there's a lot of people that are going to yeah. be like, "What are you doing?" What Which were I'm you cool thinking? With, by the way, this is awesome. It's very artistic, you know. Yeah. So sometimes like she'll do. There's some hits and there's some misses. You know, and even I saw some of them. I'm like, okay, some of them. No one wants too perfect. That's the thing. If you get too perfect, then people don't like you. You have to have misses. Yeah, she'll continue to take risks. She'll Mm -hmm. continue to try new things. She doesn't care. Mm -hmm. She's comfortable. She's comfortable at taking risks, and that to me is a real artist. That's awesome. You know, you're not gonna have you're not gonna have one success story after the next. Every single thing that you do, even Michael Jackson, you know, Mm -hmm. even whoever, the biggest of the biggest of this. You go through phases. You're going to have mits, uh, misses. You're going to have hits. So, Absolutely. but the fact is, take the risk. I just, so, um, I just want women to be in charge of it because, like, <laughs> yeah. my problem is, I hate high heels, but I can't say anything because I'm the guy saying I hate high heels. So then I'm being an asshole. So I just don't say shit about it and think high heels are bullshit. And you know, high heels are perfect if you're sitting down. It, it doesn't matter. It, that's the whole point. The whole point is it's your call. It's not my call, you know? And so 
it, it, it bothers me because it just looks uncomfortable to, to an extreme degree. And I'm already uncomfortable around women. The last thing I need is them to be more uncomfortable the situation. <laughs> like I, yeah, listen, at the end of the day, it's about people's choices. It's funny. Because absolutely. No, but that's what I'm saying. I, I can't have an opinion on it, but I'm, I'm okay with understanding that. But it's also, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's an interesting comment on the culture because you know, and same thing with men, you know, like are men dressing the way they want to dress or the way, you know, they're supposed to be, you know, dressing. Oh, come on. We know that all you guys would want to walk around with your boxer shorts day in, day out if you could. <laughs> could. I do. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Unless I'm leaving this house. I got my fucking we, Adidas pants on and my guys, t-shirt. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. We'd be like, hell yeah. Guys with boxer shorts walking around all day. <laughs> well, it might be a shock to you, but not all of us look good or are comfortable in skinny jeans. And I am one of those people. And I refuse to wear them. And I refuse to damage the quality of my life by wearing skinny jeans. It's not going to happen. One day, one day in my life, I'll be able to wear skinny jeans i, I made that I'm a, i was myself. a soccer player even if, i have huge legs do you day. know what skinny jeans look like on me i look like a cartoon even if i could get them on it's insane it's, it's I, not have, I have big legs when i look at my photo as a one-year-old <laughs> so it all started oh yeah there. i was roly-poly as a kid i was so roly-poly yeah roly-poly yeah. <laughs> you're adorable you're, you're adorable no one ever no one else no one else can be jesse out there there's only one jesse in this world <laughs> Oh man, I so appreciate you doing with this. Me, I hope this is the first of like a bunch of like conversations we can have down the road. Be I so hope so fun. too. You know what we should do? We should do a couple of um, Instagram lives. <sighs> do some Instagram live oh, stories yes. and start talking that way. Yes. I've been thinking about doing it. I just haven't figured out which language I'm going to do it in. <laughs> Whether well, it's going to be if you're willing to translate for me, because, sure. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> because there's so much there's so much that I want to say to you know the persian audience and there's yeah. so much i want to say to I the english speaking but of course english is my no is it's my it is fascinating i'm a my, better english speaker yeah. well one of my favorite celebrities is diego luna and he only writes in spanish which is awesome but like i only understand half of it so i have to translate the rest of it because i don't know what he's saying we should really do that we should do you know what uh, one day let's uh-huh. do let's do another yeah. like a shorter version of this and let's do an insta live we'll go on to like my insta your insta whatever and uh, let's see how it goes because I would I would love to continue yeah, this social great. cultural conversations and and you know invite other people to join us. Absolutely, I mean that's the best part of this whole thing is getting people engaged. And honestly, like it's not like I have a massive following, but I do have people who listen to a lot of my podcasts and mostly have been pretty civil. Now, again, you knowing me and now hearing my public political dialogue, obviously I'm probably eliminating people early on who would. Be be very hostile but mostly people have been very cool so you know you got to cultivate let's that. invite them in let's invite yes. them in and, and you know if it, turns in, if it turns into some kind of a digital fist fight then so be it <laughs> yeah. i think you and i can hold our i'll be quick on my mute button <laughs> i'll be like sorry you're on mute yeah. can't be heard anymore oh yeah no you mute him and i'll just go at him straight up <laughs> i'll just fucking go at him i have no well, shame like pounding on the keyboards or something (laughs) oh man so okay so all this stuff is going to be in the copy it was great to hear about the projects i cannot wait to hear more about the film um that's yeah that's uh you know i don't have we ever talked about the fact that i i I am close with a a film writing duo of young women one who's persian one who's jewish american who work in in hollywood my friend Julia and her friend Roja. Have we ever talked no. about this? Okay, maybe no. I'll put that off mic. Yeah. Um, anyways, so we have much to talk We need to, to offline about. this conversation. Yeah, maybe we'll offline that conversation. 
<laughs> Sorry, Julia. <laughs> no, actually, she would be she'd be stacked. Um, actually, I think we have talked to or she, maybe I've talked about to her. Anyways, it's awesome that you're doing that stuff. I'm just super jealous that you're living in the Mediterranean at all. Live in the dream. You should. You should. God you should bless. come and visit. You should. You should work it out. I come know. and visit while I'm still here, and then do do a real live. Wait, uh, while I'm still here. So there's. You think there's a move on the horizon? For me, mm-hmm. uh, you never know. I mean, I'd like to stay here as long as I can. Yes, as long as I'm welcome, I'd like to stay here. As long as you're uh, this as is long humanity as we're talking about. They could unwelcome you at any point, and it would be completely irrational. <laughs> <laughs> then, then, then there's yeah. always there's always or the they could love you forever. That's what makes it the great. open embrace yeah. hug of a homeland called yes. America. A permanent hug. We will never ever ever do anything damaging to you ever, except that one time when we. Um, so. <laughs> except that one couple. Times. Yeah, but listen, honestly, honestly, yeah. it's um, it's sometimes you gotta like live away from America to appreciate the good stuff. Oh, I hate living here. You know, it's, it's for me, it's all my family. I needed to leave. I needed. I needed a change, but at the same time, being away and looking from far away into your, your homeland, you look at it and you start appreciating things that you don't see when you're on the inside. All of a sudden, you start appreciating things yeah. that that you had forgotten about. And that's the beauty of traveling. Another reason, because you get to also appreciate what you have mm. back at home. Um, and I miss those. I mean, there's a lot of things I miss about America. So, you know, eventually home is home is U.S. Home is, has been New York. I don't know if New York will be eventually where I want to wind up in because I've been there, done it uh, numerous ways, seen it, seen it all throughout all these years in New York. But home will, you know, eventually actually – Home has been America. Who knows? For now, home is Turkey. Uh, my base, my mind, my heart will always be between uh, U.S. and wherever else I am. Of course, also my connection to my birthland, Iran. But who knows? Who knows what this world has? And that's. And I want to be one of those people who um, will say that the story will continue. Let's see what's next. Absolutely. And things have got a lot better in music in some ways, but unfortunately, because, you know, I, I'm uh, I, I'm not a full-time Modiba employee, but I'm still involved, and there's still some fucking bullshit <laughs> that, we're, yeah. sorry, that we're having to deal yeah. with. In this day and age, it, it's just ridiculous. It's unbelievable, it, it, especially because the money is there now, you know, and yeah. still yeah. giving us bullshit. lollipop it's so much lollipop but again this could be part of the you know it goes these are everything goes through phases it's a growing phase hopefully there'll be enough bullshit and lollipop phase that people will be sweeted out they're like ugh, i can't handle another piece of sugar i don't want any more sugar music i just like i just want something real i just want to hear something with a message and you know so go through its phases so maybe this has to happen Uh so that people start missing the real stuff again maybe you need to leave the country so you start missing what you love about it maybe you need to you know just like in relationship just like anything else sometimes you need to step away from the norm to appreciate uh what you want and to know what you want so speaking of sugary what is one guilty pleasure pop artist or a group that you will admit to hmm pop artist and no judgment here by the way <laughs> i love minaj and rihanna so i'm, I'm shameless um i do like eminem mm. i do like eminem okay. i do like him uh on the uh you know on the hip-hop stuff there's tech nine who actually yas did a, a feature with tech nine who's like the you know the mm-hmm. biggest independent hip-hop yeah. artist in america and he's got some you know incredible flow and stuff 
on the other side, that's I not got a guilty it, I got pleasure. It. That's Mitch. a classy pleasure. Come on, that's a classy. <laughs> no, no, the guilty pleasure is sometimes yeah. I'm into like <clears throat> listening to like you know these 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 um, dance poppy pitbull and J Lo yeah, singing and dancing. That's you know, great. Those songs are awesome. It. I can. Yeah. I put that on when I'm working out. Yeah. I put that on when I'm like when I when I go to a club somewhere and I listen to all the you know the the top ten, top forty, whatever. If it's you got have a nice to appreciate to it, that stuff. I have friends that I come like over. It. They're like, I thought you listened to Molly music all day. I'm like, no, dude. I listen to yeah. some Rihanna. Like, I gotta you know fucking relax and dance. You know, like fuck it. I me too. I'm into that. If I'm if I'm in the right. And I love mood, Beyonce by the way. I'm or, totally in in Queen Bay camp. So you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And fuck Jay Z, that fucking asshole. Not everything. God. Listen, not everything is supposed to have a message. Not everything is supposed <sighs> no, to teach fuck, you a lesson. He is a scumbag and not be- a good rapper. I not. I never been happy about that. Sorry. I, I honestly have not been a huge Jay Z fan. Nas is so much better been, and more talented. And those, Nas not been better. a Jay Z fan. Not been a Kanye fan. Nas, been, Nas you know. is the best. Nas has worked with both of those Nas. guys, and Nas is the best of all of them. And I'm sure yes. Yaz a- agrees with that. I yes. would think. Yaz, Yaz was a big Nas fan. Yaz yeah. and Nas. Yeah. Were, you know, it was a big uh, Nas fan as well. I, I, some people say Nas is the best pure rapper ever. I don't know if I agree with that, but I can see the, 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 um, the resume. It was real. It was real. He doesn't you know, fuck around. Dude does not lie. Dude has never, you know, like, yeah. So let's see. Let's see if more of that comes out again. But, mm. you know, it's, it's, it's a, you know, I worked in music for so many years. It's yeah. a phase. It, it's a, I don't mean phase like hip hop. People thought hip hop was going to be a phase. And mm. obviously 20 years later, that's not a phase. But everything goes through its motions. You know, everything, there's going to be a time when someone's going to be like, oh, you know what? I had so much sugar that I just need to have something a little different right now. You know, give me chips, you know, give me something different. And that is like right now we're in sugar town. And there's going to be a time when people are going to be like, I want more. I want more lyrics. I yeah, want more I think music. pop music is I actually want... in a much better place now than 10 or 20 years ago, to be honest with you. <clears throat> The fact that like uh, Bruno Mars is, I'm not saying I'm a huge Bruno Mars fan. The fact that someone like Bruno Mars sells so many records and does so well is, you know, I mean, I don't know. Or Adele, or Adele, absolutely. Or, you know, you got the Adele's uh, that, you know, when you, the voice, the singing. What do you make of um, the split over Lemonade? I'm fascinated by this. Do you have an opinion on this? People who think Lemonade's like, the, including Adele is the best album ever and people who just think it's trash. <laughs> um... All, all opinions are open here because I do love Beyonce, but I don't know what to make of that album. Uh, well, I have to be honest. I have not listened to all the songs. So the reason why <laughs> don't I'm be thinking, in a rush. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, babe. The I love reason you, why babe. I'm thinking the, the reason why I'm thinking is that I, I wasn't rushing mm-hmm. to hear all the songs. Yeah. And and to me, sometimes it's mm-hmm. like if something becomes such a big story mm-hmm. and sometimes it's bad for me and sometimes it's good for me. If something yeah. is like so over flooded and becomes such a I stay away from it. I get like it's too sugary. I'm like, oh, I think that's my thing about. is I'm so disconnected. I'm from done. That level. I get disconnected. Yeah. Well, I'm saying I'm so you know? disconnected from the actual gossip that I just hear the pop songs and I'll be like, oh, that's a cool gem. Oh, it's Beyonce. Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, and, I wonder, uh, and I wonder if that gossip was paid for. You know, who knows? I, just, I don't believe any promotion. of it. I, I, honestly, I, 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 the thing is, is like as many celebrities who lie, there's way more media people who lie, you know? So it's like. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> eh, I'm used to it, you know. Yeah. This but we're both going to be pro talent, right? That's what it comes down pro to. Talent. We're all going to be pro talent because let's be honest: when movies suck, it's usually the writing and the d- directing, and not the acting, in my opinion, for the most part. 
when great movies the suck, they're part. supposed to be great. It with great talent. It's usually not the actors just mailing in a bad performance. I've always been well, very that's, offended that's, by that. Well, that's being that's being very uh, that's being very um, detailed into the way you're looking at something. That means that you're paying enough attention to the storyline and you're paying enough attention to the writing. That you realize, but I think that's actors care wrong. the most. I think actors care the most about that stuff more than the director, yeah. more than the producers. They're the ones who want backstory. It's Absolutely. usually a failure of a director to not give extra backstory to the actors. You hear this all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Which is oh, to Jesse, say, there we need to continue. Yeah. Yes. We need to continue this. We need to go into some mm. live live formats and you know, I'll figure some way to brand to, it get a nice catchy name for it <laughs> but we gotta I'm telling you we gotta do it I'll blow dry my hair I'll put on my <laughs> lipstick and then we'll go online yeah. <laughs> yeah please you don't have to do you don't have to do much but this I, was, I'm talk I'm talk <laughs> it was this was great I've been wanting to do this for actually a really long time I'm glad I was able to we were both able to make this happen honestly me too thank you so much it really and you know what you talking to me and and just kind of of you know us both being in this dialogue you just kind of like re-inspired me and and you just kind of made me kind of internalize and look at what i've done and where i am and what i'm up to and what's next so really i just want to thank you because that kind of that kind of stuff happens only when you're talking and when you're connecting with people and when you're in dialogue so thank you for for kind of starting my day out right here well, I can only throw it back at you and thank you because these are exactly the kinds of interviews I love to do. I do love to talk it's about pop Jesse. culture and everything else, but just having these conversations is great. And I say this to even my close friends like I grew up with or went to college with. Like It just is a great form to talk with people in a way, an extended period that you might not normally... I mean, we that's not really true with us. Like we would have these deep conversations, but you know what I mean? In like sure. a structured format. Um, like I do have some friends I've occasionally had on the podcast, just like random friends, like once in a while, like sure, come on the podcast, blah, blah. We have super deep political conversation. We've never talked politics before. You know what that's I mean? That's right. Yeah. That's so. right. It, it only happens when you come out of monologue Absolutely. and enter the dialogue. Absolutely. And, and really, you know, thank you for that. And I love it. And um, it's beautiful. And, and hopefully there'll be more of it with us. Yes, absolutely. And I'm going to come visit you, and me, you, me, and Hyundai are going to go partying. It'll be fantastic. Ah, love always wins. <laughs> Hyundai Yenner. <laughs> so, oh man, oh, this is going to be great. So, all right, guys. And, and, and I apologize to any of your listeners if uh, at any point I said anything rude, offensive, or boring. Shut up. Stop talking. Stop. Stop <laughs> apologizing. She doesn't love, mean that. She does not mean that. She's not apologizing. She has nothing to apologize for. Brits and nope. Nope. And it's all on me. If any of you guys have any problems with anything, <laughs> it's me. It's all me. I told her to say it. It was completely on me. So I yeah. think I think they'll hear the love. I think they'll hear the love <laughs> in our conversations. I, this is an honest podcast right here. We're all about honesty. We're just being honest. That's that's that should be that though. should be the next that should be the next title. Welcome <laughs> the, to honest the podcast. honest podcast. Oh my god, people would tune in just to see if it was a joke or not, right? Oh, the honest podcast. We should do that. We should totally do that. Call it <laughs> yeah. the honest podcast. Yeah. Whether you like it or not, we're going to be honest. I feel like that's a spin on the um, the honest Obama sketch. You know what I mean? <laughs> the the uh, the honest podcast. Ah, the, you know what, what Obama's doing. actually thinking. You know, the honest stuff. Well, while he's honest giving his speeches. Yeah. <laughs> well, honestly speaking, uh, uh-huh. yeah. I don't know. Okay. Well, all this stuff will be on the page. It'll be great. And uh, yeah, Instagram Live. Sure, let's do that. I'm, I am. I'm in on that. 
Perfect. Me too. Awesome. Me too. Well, thank you so Talk much. This was through. fantastic. And I totally suckered you into the two and a half hour Mizzlecast podcast, which I keep doing to people. It's it's like <laughs> malicious. Has it really been two and a half hours? I mean, yes, it's two and a half hours. I've kept people thought, three hours on this podcast. For like, oh, no. I thought you were going to talk to me for like 20 minutes, half an oh, hour no. max, and it just flew by. People keep falling for it. I, honestly, I, it, no matter how many times I try this trick, it, it works every single time. So I must listen, be t- doing listen, something right. That's because that's because you're doing something right. Yes, you're doing something right that people feel so comfortable that they can just keep on talking to you for such a long time, and it's you know it's not being suckered into it. You you're doing what you're doing is you're doing something right. You're you're keeping us you're keeping us um, interested. You're keeping us in uh, what's the word? Not involved. Keeping us. What's the, what's the other word for angry? it? Angry? <laughs> no, no, just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> the angry bird. No. Yeah. Keeping us interested. That's uh. why we're on. So, my no, God. No, thank you so much. That means powers. a lot. Coming, Look, we're, we're you know, compatriots and, uh, you know, come from the same stock from a business standpoint. Uh, it means a lot. I appreciate that. Thank you, my Jewish American friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the Israeli but Jewish American friend who has Coast. major issues about being white, Jewish, and American all at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> who you wants to live traveling. in Africa or Mediterranean countries and basically get away from Europe and America as quick as possible? Yeah, I got no identity problems. I'm totally fine. <laughs> <laughs> Come visit. Come visit. I will. Don't worry. I will. The Mediterranean. I don't want to say too much on air you. because I would be like, "Where's Bissell going? This place sounds amazing." <laughs> <You know? laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? One big advertisement for yeah. the Mediterranean, the Middle East, yeah. Yeah. somewhere, all these exotic people in this exotic, magical lands. Well, well, Turkey, I mean, that region is, you know, it's called the Fertile Crescent for a reason, right? Yes, exactly. There's a reason why it is what it is. It's so true. This was this and was the food great. is good too. You know, this if you don't come for any oh, of that, just come with yeah. the food. I mean, if I if I had cheap Middle uh, Middle Eastern food near me, I would. That's all I would eat ever. Um, There's some good food in this region. Oh my god, it's so good! Uh, I see an Egyptian guy open a cafe like a block away from me. I'm really happy right now. <laughs> it's like <laughs> ju- no, literally just happened like two days ago. Was, there was uh, this one food that I had when I was in Egypt. I went across this. Sahara Desert expedition for for a couple of months mm-hmm. and there was this one food that once in a while would come across because we we're like mostly in the desert with these like you know with the trucks or camels or whatever and I forgot what it was named but it was like with rice and almost like with like vermicelli noodles and with chickpeas mm. and mm. onions and you know like fried onions with some tomato sauce on it okay. it's crazy with like a little side of yogurt I mean it was I'm a vegetarian so for about I don't know like 29 years but it was so delicious so if you have this Egyptian place that opened up, you know, let me know what the, I forgot the name of the food. Oh, no, I definitely had typical. free falafel today when I went by. It was fantastic. It was great. The falafels are great. They're good. But there's this other, I mean, there's a very traditional. It was like free. That's the and- most important part. <laughs> 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 we will not say no. Yeah, I mean, yeah, shakshuka would be amazing and some labne, but you know, he had falafel, so <laughs> falafel is good. Uh, well, falafel, good. Free you know? falafel is better. Hey, I'm a shawarma guy. I'm not. I'm not ashamed. I love shawarma. But it wasn't free, so the it was not was free. <laughs> and hummus is never free unless it's bad, right? The only free hummus <laughs> is bad hummus. <laughs> yeah, I'd say hummus, hummus but no one would know what the fuck I was saying. I had some of the best hummus in uh, oh, everywhere. Never. It's some of the best hummus in know, Lebanon, like, yeah. actually. 
Yeah. The Lebanese also do some oh, no, incredible food. Lebanese the best. Lebanon, I, I truly, I, I think Le- if you look objectively where the cuisine comes from and how it's executed, I think Lebanon has the best cuisine on the, the planet. But I think I think Lebanon is missing out on not setting up like these incredible food mm. tours. You know, come to Lebanon, test, they go on their food tour, and then go back home. Well, that civil I mean, war was a bitch with the Syrian and Israeli invasion and all, you know? You <laughs> see, really you see, it's always these damn fucking politics. <laughs> Ruins everything. Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, Yasser Arafat, PLO, sure, come hang out. Yeah, this will be great. Everyone will party." <laughs> the yeah, Paris of well, the Middle East destroyed. That's one of the, actually the great tragedies uh, of modern Middle Eastern history. I don't think it's talked the about. The Paris enough. of the Middle East is true. Yeah. Well, at least go for the hummus this time. I definitely have a thing for Lebanese girls. Not going to lie, guys. I just said it, okay? I've had a thing for Lebanese (laughs) girls. I said it. I said it. There, it's out there. Lebanese. It's out there. I I have a feeling we'll be seeing you in some Lebanese restaurant soon. (laughs) You'll you'll be finding some local Lebanese restaurant. Going there for the hummus. That's what the kids are calling it these days. Going there for the hummus. Um... It was great to have you on. This was this is fabulous, and uh, thank you, dear. The fact that you're not horrified by this two and a half hours later is an immense boost of my confidence. <laughs> so no, thank you. no, I'm energized. I have a meeting actually in a couple of hours. So yes, I'm energized. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go kick some ass now. Great. I'm like I'm like talked, and my my the, the engines are revved. And yes. I'm talking. I'm thinking. Change the world. I have my two cups of coffee already, yes. so I'm ready. Awesome, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much. We're going to put some music up front and maybe in a little middle, a few places in the podcast, guys. Hope you enjoyed that. Um, (laughs) That was all all her idea. So that's a a great (laughs) idea. (laughs) Bye, Thank you. Thank you. uh, Bye, everyone. Bye, guys. You have been amazing. This has been the Bizzlecast. That's been Netta. She's been awesome, too. Thank you guys for joining us. We will be back at you soon. But for now, the Bizzlecast is out. Every time I try to reach you.